0: this is the voice of the report of the week signing on hello ladies gentlemen and everyone listening to today's newest podcast of vorw radio international looks like it's probably going to be going out a little later um probably saturday the 12th of september 2020 i'd hoped for a few days earlier but we're getting it out now and that's what's important uh, really, I'm not going to have any sort of extended introduction, I just hope you enjoy the show today. We're going um, to have a few uh, good topics, some varied discussion. Broadcast looks like it's going to be a little over three hours, which uh, is still a good length for a podcast. For the uh, listeners and viewers tuning in on YouTube, we do have some wonderful fan art featured today. We have four pieces of fan art in today's show. The first piece credited to Nile. The second piece of fan art is credited to Savano, whose work can be found at Vintage Star Underscore Art. That's Vintage Star Underscore Art on Instagram. The third piece of fan art goes out to Amira in Trinidad. And the fourth piece of fan art goes out to Daniel J. Oswiak22 on Twitter. I will spell that out, of course. That's Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, J-O-Z-W-I-A-K-2-2 on Twitter. You could find all of these names in writing in the description, and I hope you enjoy this show. If you'd like to submit some fan art, by the way, all you need to do is uh, draw up a piece, uh, whatever you want to do, whatever you would like to make, and uh, send it as an attachment to V O R W i n f o at gmail.com and just let me know how you would like to be credited for it with that i hope you enjoy the broadcast this is vorw international welcome one and all of course this is probably the second introduction we've done for the show since we always do the thing before this one but anyway uh, here we are, the new uh, the new edition of VORW, going out to you hopefully soon. <laughs> I say hopefully because I'm not afraid to admit, you know, when I do this broadcast in uh, different segments, and uh, this first part of the broadcast is being recorded uh, Wednesday the 9th of September 2020, so, uh, I mean, hopefully, again, this is going to be released very, very soon, maybe... I mean if it's released on the 10th that would be fantastic uh, but this is the final part that really you know i'm recording the beginning first i've already recorded all of the uh, listener correspondence segments a few days ago uh though I, I i checked it and there's nothing really that's an issue you know in terms of the flow of things nothing time sensitive the only thing is that i, I guess during well when i recorded the um emails, and responded to all of that, I had yet to review the uh, Travis Scott burger, or the meal from uh, McDonald's, but now I was able to do that, and uh, that's what we have there. So anyway, hope everyone's doing okay today, hope everyone's uh, doing all right. To tell you the truth, I don't really have too much uh, of my own to talk about, so I I know some people are going to be absolutely uh, furious Buy this. I, I don't really think so, but uh, this this show isn't isn't going to be the uh, five hour long marathon that the last one was. I don't know how long this is going to be. Maybe three hours. Maybe three and a half. Maybe four. Maybe less. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to babble on for a couple minutes at the beginning, and then we're just going to get right into um right into the uh, I don't know the mailbag portion of the broadcast because that's all that. That's all that we've really got for you today. I mean, it's just one of those shows. One of those shows. Hope everyone's doing okay, though. You know, because I, I was checking the news, I was checking the latest news, and I was seeing what's going on. Problem is that a lot of the things that are going on in the world right now, or at least, you know, the things that are being talked about, are well, either apolitical, uh, or B in regards to uh, the coronavirus. Now, I'd love to talk about COVID, but again, given just what's happened, I just don't want to risk it on YouTube. Although, uh, you know, I will I will mention something uh, in a couple minutes. And then politics, you know, you know it's such a such a volatile <laughs> a volatile subject. So, you know what? We are getting close to election time. Admittedly, Of course, the the 2020 election, the U.S. uh, presidential election, is a big deal. Of course, it's, you know, you're choosing who is going to be the leader of this country. And, you know, obviously the impacts uh, are big. So it's, you know, it certainly is a big deal. And number one, if you are eligible to vote here in the United States, uh, please vote, you know, for this... This election, please, you know, by whatever means you feel comfortable doing. Uh, but just vote. It's your right. Exercise it. Now, who to vote for, that's between you and no one else. I don't care what anyone else says. Who you vote for is your business and your business only. It's not my business and it's not anyone else's, except for your own uh, who you want to cast a vote for this election, be that Democrat, Republican, uh, third party. If you want to write in a, a name or whatever, that's, that's purely up to you. All I ask is that you vote your conscience and vote for who you feel is best qualified for the position of President of the United States. Research the local candidates as well. And research any propositions on the ballot be a well-informed voter, and that's all that I ask. I always hate it when sometimes you get channels and videos that try to that try to do that, and they try to tell you, go out and vote, but make sure you vote for, you know, so-and-so. Uh, you know, I understand a lot of people, you know, of course they have their sides, they have their supporters, and I get it, People are upset at me right now for probably saying that, but I don't care. That's my view. And you better believe I'm going to dig my heels in and stand by it. Just make an informed decision. That's all that I can say. And that's what I have said in 2016. And that's what I said in the 2018 midterm election as well. So that's all that I ask. But either way, uh, we have many of these you know, very jarring political headlines that tend to dominate the news around this time of year, as they did in 2016, you know, it's really no different. I mean, once we start making that home stretch toward the election, of course, you get, you know, one story after the next, after the next. Uh, You know, I'll give, I'll give, uh, this is just a thought that's been in my mind, and I thought it was just interesting because you just who knows when it comes down to the elections of course here in the United States you have the electoral college and again whether we like it or not that's just the way that the system is uh, that's just that's how it is you know whoever gets to 270 electoral votes wins the election regardless of popular vote right that's all what it's about uh that's all that it's about the 270. One good site that I've used for years and years uh, of course is a site called 270towin.com and it just has a, an interactive map and you can you know play around with the states and you can say well you know if so and so wins this state or that state you know how is the election going to play out etc. I I think for the 2020 election and again, this is just my, my conjecture, uh, but I think it, it has the potential of being a very close election. That's another reason why I incentivize you to go out and vote, but I really, that's just what I see right now, that I think some people think that it's gonna go one way or the other, but I don't know. I think you're gonna see high turnout on all sides. And I really don't know what uh, impact The debates are going to have on it at this point in time Uh, we'll see I mean some people thought that the conventions would have a big impact either way because even in 2016 you had the convention boost in the polls which which always does happen usually and uh, that didn't happen this year I think just because the just because they were virtual conventions and I guess the enthusiasm you know it's just maybe for some it's just not the same as uh, you know seeing it live or whatnot but I don't know what effect the debates are gonna have this year. If if that's gonna be the same type of thing, will the enthusiasm just be dampened and not as many people will watch? Uh, Or will will they have an effect or, you know? I don't know, I just wouldn't count. If someone is just betting on the debates having an effect one way or another, I wouldn't count on it, unless like some sort of horrendous gaffe is made. But otherwise, I don't know, I just I just think the turnout is gonna be high uh, you know, for really all sides and I just think it's gonna be tighter than what some people think it's gonna be. Who's gonna win? I don't know, but one thing that I've actually, I've been researching this today because it's a, such an interesting thing and you know, people make jokes about 2020 but wouldn't this be like the the cherry on top for this year if the election wound up being, especially in the Electoral College, close enough to the point where you actually had a 269, 269 electoral vote tie, right? So no one actually wins outright in the Electoral College, right? Biden gets 269 and Trump gets 269. Uh, and, and I think some people then they, they they wonder, well, then what happens, right? Do they, you know, And and it's fascinating to me that there's a lot of disparity in terms of what people think happens if there's ever a tie in the electoral college uh, versus what may really happen because it's a unique scenario it's never happened before but i was looking and i was playing around with the political maps looking at some of the polls i think there's that realistic chance very likely small uh, of a 269 269 tie happening and when it comes down to that tie, some people, they think, oh, well, what's going to happen? Uh, is it going to go to popular vote? Or are they just going to look and see who had the most uh, votes outright? Uh, is the Senate going to decide? Uh, is the House of Representatives going to decide? I remember I was seeing someone saying that they just do a whole new election when there's a electoral tie, but that's not true. What happens is it goes to the House of Representatives. Now then, I think from there, some people, either very happily look at the house of representatives and the political party that makes up the majority of that and they're very happy uh, and other people get very upset uh, because they think that okay if it goes to the house of representatives then you have right an in-person vote uh, each representative gets one vote and you know whichever party gets the most votes wins right not true That is not what happens. When it goes to the House of Representatives, it's much more complicated than that. And this is where it gets very tricky and very confusing. There are not going to be all these individual votes if it were to go to the House. What happens is every state, so you have, you know, 50 states, every state has its own delegation of representatives. So, you know, Florida has all the representatives here, New York has their representatives, California has their representatives, Iowa, Nebraska, and so on. So there's 50 delegations, right? Each encompassing one state. And that delegation gets one vote. So each state gets one vote. So see how they break it down. You have the House of Representatives, then it breaks down to the representatives in each state, 50 states, 50 votes. Now you might say, okay, well, now that we know that, how exactly would you, and let's just use Florida as an example, how exactly would you lump together all of the, uh, you know, different representatives That make up the state of florida because obviously it's not just one person you know there's probably 20 or so maybe more uh, of all different political affiliations so how do you get them all together and determine which candidate that state would vote for when there is that clear divide well then it comes down to whatever party makes up the majority for that state So let's say there are more Republican representatives in Florida than there are Democrats, then the vote for Florida would be a vote for Trump. Whereas if there were more Democrat representatives in Florida, then that would be a vote for Joe Biden. And if the number of representatives is even, and no consensus is reached, then it's invalid. There's no vote. And they do that for each state, and whatever the majority ends up being, that's what you get. So that's how it works. So it's much more competitive and complicated. Uh, now, obviously, and this is just stating the facts, looking at the breakdown right now uh, of the majority in each state, uh, of the 50, 26 are Republican, 23 are Democrat, and one state, Pennsylvania, is an even tie. So with that, the Republicans would have the majority. Uh, 26 states going to that, 23 states going to the Democrats, and then again, the one being the tie. Uh, so if there is that electoral tie, that's how it would play out, and that's what the outcome of the election would be. And the reason why I'm talking about this is is because number one, it's a stating how the situation would play out. And I wanted to talk about it especially because it's an extremely unlikely scenario. But should it play out, I don't think a lot of people know that that is what the process would end up being. I think some people think that if it even, even if they knew that it were to go to the House of Representatives, uh, that, you know, it would just be a, a standard vote and that's what it would be. Uh, but not at all, and I think some people would then be, maybe they would be pleased, maybe they would be surprised, maybe they would be angered at the outcome, um, but I really don't think a lot of people know that that's how it actually ends up playing out, if there is that electoral tie, and I was researching that today, and I thought it was an incredibly interesting, and it's something that you could still discuss, you know, despite being, of course, a very political subject at the core, uh, it's really not controversial, it's really not Uh, Partisan. It's just talking about what would happen if this uh, scenario were to play out. And I thought it was fascinating. Very unlikely that that would ever happen. Uh, I think that more likely than not, there will be an outright winner. But again, just, you know, playing around with the maps, uh, it is pretty easy to, you know, reasonably have. But again, lots can change. (laughs) I am no... I am no seer. I cannot predict the future or anything. It's just interesting. I always like pursuing these what ifs, you know? What if there is a tie, right? It's like it's a scenario that it seems so unrealistic, but it can reasonably happen. And uh, that's just, I'm glad at least there is a procedure in place in case that happens. All right? you know, this is what they do and this is how they handle it. But still pretty crazy. Could you imagine if there ended up being a tie though? Forget it it would be, it would be crazy, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that, and uh, I think, I think things would get very heated, so that's a, something I wanted to mention in regards to uh, just a current event, and just something that was of interest to me personally, otherwise, we do have the uh, wildfires in the western United States, which very sadly are, in some cases, preventable, Uh, obviously given, just given the conditions out there and the wind and uh, sometimes this stuff just happens, but it was really, really upsetting to me to see that the one, the one wildfire, let me just get this right, it was in California, there's a, there's a good number of wildfires out there, Uh, also in Oregon as well, and uh, each fire has its own name, uh, you have the El Dorado fire in Southern California's San Bernardino County. It's scorched over 10,574 acres and is only 16% contained. So, I mean, it's out of control. A uh, fire official states one, of the wa- the, one of the most dangerous fires they've seen in the area. And, uh, you know, I see the picture right now At this article showing i guess a helicopter observing it and you know it looks like it looks like the pits of hell you know It, it just flames everywhere it's just it's scary to look at you know it's scary and what upsets me about this is this fire and it is conclusively proven was totally preventable totally preventable You know, they might might say, oh, how? Because the situation that caused this is over a menial thing, so much land is destroyed from this now, and I really hope that no lives end up being lost from this. That's all that I'm going to say. You had, in El Dorado Ranch Park, 70 miles east of Los Angeles, a smoke-generating pyrotechnic device was used at a baby's gender reveal party on Saturday morning. So, all I'll say is that I hope those pyrotechnics are worth it. Hope it was really worth it. And you know, it's not even the first time that a baby's gender reveal party has started a fire, believe it or not. Says in uh, 2017, an explosive device, part of a gender reveal birthday uh, thing, ignited a fire in Arizona that grew to forty-seven thousand acres and caused eight million in damages. So, they—they they should have known the risks. They shouldn't have done it. And personally, I think they should be charged for it, especially if it was mentioned previously. Not to use pyrotechnics in these situations. Uh, you know given the the conditions and how ripe they were for fire development so i think responsibility needs to be taught in this situation and you know hopefully people will think twice about this stuff you need to be responsible fire is no joke (laughs) it is no joke i think we all we all have this idea that we can control it you know even if Maybe they had this idea, you know, I'll launch the pyrotechnics for this party or whatever. uh, You know, for the the baby's uh, gender reveal party. And if something happens, I'll be able to put it out. You know, I've got fire extinguisher, I've got a bucket of water. You know, I'll get it when it's real small and it won't get out of control. (laughs) You know, you could have this plan and you can think it's going to go a certain way. But life isn't always the way you imagine it to be you think if everyone was so skilled at being able to extinguish fires uh then we would have no need for such things you know you'd have to worry about house fires or fire departments or we could all just put it out ourselves before it gets so big you know and out of control we're all we're all that good right and i mean i've seen videos uh, of <laughs> i sometimes i'll watch these in my free time of fire not people getting burned you know but just how it can get out of control, because it's mesmerizing in a sense. There was one instance, and thankfully everyone was was safe, but you know, this is just on a small scale. But yeah, uh, you know, it goes to show there was, it was one of those, um. I don't know if it was a security camera or what, but it was filming the room, and uh, there's this old guy, you know, very old, I'd say probably in his late 80s maybe he needed a walker and stuff and he was sitting on one end of the room watching television or something and on the other end near the window was a candle burning and the window was open and the curtains were blowing a little bit in the wind and sure enough the curtains caught on fire from the candle and the guy didn't realize what was going on until the curtains were already fully engulfed and uh you know, then the fire had already, just in a matter of seconds, gotten so large, and then it starts spreading very quickly. Some of the furniture starts going up, some of the other things in the room start igniting. And you know, in a matter of thirty seconds, it goes from something that you think could be controllable uh, to being... <laughs> forget it, you need to, you need to leave right now if you if you want to survive this. Fire is is no joke. You know, a good example, another good example, and it's not for the uh, faint of heart, but, you know, you could read about it at least, the uh, Station Nightclub fire from the early 2000s. Now that sadly resulted in, I think it was hundreds of deaths. I'm not I'm not entirely sure about that, but I know lots of people died. Sadly, it was on video. It's a disturbing video, but... You know, you had this nightclub that was packed, maybe over capacity, and the entire place was flammable. And you had this band using pyrotechnics that I don't know if they knew what they were doing or what. And the the exits weren't all that great. And in just a matter of seconds, you know, the whole place goes up. Scary. Fire is a very, very, very strong, strong force. That's why if you, if you ever want to even consider doing anything with fire, you have to do it responsibly. And even then, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. You know, you think you know what you're doing, but then when something goes wrong and you're really put to the test, sometimes we really we, we really don't. We think we know what we're doing, but we really don't. And we can't put our money where our mouth is when push comes to shove. So these wildfires are always very scary to see, and I know it happens year after year. But that doesn't that doesn't take away from the severity of the situation. It doesn't take away of you know from its ferocity and just the power of it all. But to everyone out there on the west coast and really to anyone being impacted from any of the uh, 80, 87 wildfires currently ongoing in the United States, please be safe, be responsible, and just heed the advice of local officials. They, they know much more about your well-being than I, I certainly do. And otherwise, in the tropics, you have lots of different systems developing. You have, at least as this is being uh, recorded, you have Tropical Storm Paulette, and Tropical Depression, Rene. But both of those aren't really expected to be a threat to land. I mean, they're looking like, uh, you know, as they say, fish storms, just not going to hit anything. But, you know, never say never. Uh, unfortunately, though, it does look like there's going to be more development in the coming days. So there will be... <laughs> there will be more. There will be more. One interesting... Um, thing to think about, at least, is that in terms of hurricane season, 2020 is extremely active, though we've only had one very strong storm in the, uh, at least, Atlantic Basin, that being Hurricane Laura, which uh, did hit Louisiana very hard. You know, there were were warnings about that 20-foot storm surge, and thankfully that didn't materialize because the storm had a little bit of a wobble. Um, just at the last second, which really saved much of the coast. Um, but there's still immense destruction, uh, especially in southwestern Louisiana. And uh, at this point, I mean, it's been weeks since the uh, hurricane impacted that area. And you still have uh, well over 100,000 people without power. So uh, certainly a very severe impact. And I think the, re- the recovery is going to take a while you know, especially for the Lake Charles area and all of the smaller towns to the south of that. So it's, it's always sad to see these impacts. Um, but considering, you know, the 2020 hurricane season is incredibly active, again, we're already down the list of names. There's only four names left. Sally, Teddy, Vicky, and Wilfred, because they name these storms A to Z. And you know they do omit some of the uh, more obscure letters because you know it's kind of tough to come up with with these different names. But what happens? Because it seems very very likely that there's going to be more than four storms uh, in the remainder of this season. You know, again, there's already the potential for two more forming in the near future. So then that would take, and then you'd only have two left, and. I mean, there's a chance of storms developing all the way into October and November. Then what? So when they run out of names for hurricanes, and I think that they will this year, uh, then they they say in the event that more than 21 named tropical cyclones occur, additional storms will take the names from the Greek alphabet. So then you're going to have, you know, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, you know, and so on, all the way down to omega. That'll be pretty cool, I'll have to say, to go to the the Greek alphabet for names of these storms. Uh, There actually, there was one other hurricane season where they did that already. That was in 2005, but I think 2020 is going to be another one where they're going to get to the Greek names. I just, I don't see it any other way. So that's just another what-if question. You know, what if they run out of names? Well, there is a little bit of a alternative to that. So that's what happens there. Anyway, a little bit of a miscellaneous discussion on things going on. But otherwise, I mean, there's nothing else that I really want to talk about in the world right now. Uh, we do have lots of emails coming into uh, address, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but two other things to just mention in brief. Uh, number one... It was it was it was very nice to see at least with the YouTube channel. I never expect this to happen. I never do, but it's it's always it's just nice to see. Uh, the one video that I recently did, the McDonald's Travis Scott meal review, actually performed very very nicely. I made it believe it or not to the YouTube trending page of all things and at least as I'm recording this, um, segment right now, it says it's number seven on the trending page on YouTube, and it got, uh, over half a million views in a single day, which is crazy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane, you know, and I didn't expect the video to even, I never expect a video to ever get to that point and go, um, you know viral so to speak so whenever it does it's it's a great surprise but it's very nice to to see and i always i hate talking about it because it feels i don't know so crummy to you know i sound like some sort of gloating disgraceful piece of garbage but it always just helps the channel very much whenever that happens YouTube is a website built, really at this point, entirely off of algorithms, for better or for worse, it's just how the site functions. I actually gave a talk about this, I guess a week ago, on my radio show. I was talking about how YouTube, you know, is all algorithm-based, and certain videos get promoted for certain reasons, factors outside of anyone's control. You know, I had no ability in in this video ending up where it did. Um, But sometimes, you know, it's just YouTube promotes what they promote. Um, But obviously, you know, because the YouTube channel is really my livelihood, it's it's what I'm able to do to keep the lights on and uh, all of that. Whenever a video usually gets on the trending page, and it happens maybe once a year, maybe twice, at least in my case, um whenever it does though it usually ends up helping out the channel at least for a little bit so that's always it's just nice it's just a way that at least for a few days i can kind of take a little bit of a sigh of relief and i don't have to you know i don't have to worry about things at least for a couple days and i can take a little bit of a a metaphorical break so to speak Um, because otherwise you know you always have to continuously upload or think of things to upload but sometimes if you get a little bit of a boost, you just let it play out for a couple extra days and you can, you know, take a little bit of a breather uh, without a worry that it'll hurt you otherwise. Uh, so it's it's just a little bit of a relief. I did not expect this to happen in 2020, though I really didn't. But you know what's interesting? Uh, it, what's fascinating to me, and I actually, I you know, it's a... I, some people will find it silly, but it's just interesting. I think I even said in the video, I have my lucky brown suit on, and I I did, it's a, it is a lucky suit. Uh, it's a brown, uh, double-breasted suit, that's what I wore in the video, and uh, it's from the mid-90s, I think, I remember actually dating this suit, it goes back to, uh, 1996, so it's a vintage suit, you know, it goes, um, goes back to that. But that suit, I actually wore. Because I don't, again, I've had very, very few trending videos, only a couple. I think uh, I'm just looking at the most popular videos I ever did. And even of those, only a few ever got to the trending page. I mean, the React to Mean Comments video did. uh, The iDubs Fast Food Tier List did the Nacho Fries video from Taco Bell did, Uh, the McDonald's Szechuan sauce, Uh, the first Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A sandwich. That one, the chicken sandwich one did. Um, Is McDonald's Garlic White Cheddar Burger really that bad? That one made it there too. But then after that point, I mean, so that's six videos right there. Uh, The seventh one was uh, checking out the new McDonald's dollar menu. Uh, Then the eighth one was my skincare routine from 2017. And then the ninth and final one that ever got on the trending page is the um, Travis Scott meal. And what's just interesting to me is of the nine videos that ever got there, now, in three of them, I've had the exact same suit on. And all three have done very... So, I don't know, it's just like... Like, when I was getting dressed the other day to do the video, I don't know, for some reason I just thought, you know, wear the brown suit today. You know, maybe not for any specific reason, but I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's good luck, you know? Maybe there's nothing to it, but... <laughs> I kind of think of it as a lucky suit. Anyway, and it's nice too. I like the way that it looks, and it's very comfortable. So, even if it's not particularly lucky, it's a suit that I like, and I I enjoy wearing it. Um, you know. But the videos that I've actually worn that suit in uh, were the Szechuan sauce one and the uh, I Dubs fast food tier list one. So, and it's it's just interesting, just interesting food for thought. Probably coincidences, but still. <laughs> Right. It's it's just interesting. It's a nice suit though. Good um you know the 6 by 1 configuration. That's actually every double-breasted suit that I have is in that uh button configuration. You know, because usually and that's a style that you almost never see uh worn anymore, but that's all that I wear. And you can look it up for visual um you know visual But just differences you can look up six by one six x one uh, double breasted Suit and you could go Google search it look it up on uh, Google images and You'll see the difference. The reason why I like it is because you know, you have the six buttons three on each side and There's only one button. That's actually across most double-breasted suits. You know have the two where it's like the the group of four buttons going across and then the two further up but i just like this i I don't know i like the uh just the one that goes across because i don't know i just like the uh the way the three buttons just kind of go up the sides and i like that the lapels are a bit lower because then that actually allows the lapels of the jacket to be a little um a little wider, which I like. You know, I like the wide lapel jackets, uh, though within reason. Like, sometimes the, the, the 70s men's jackets, uh, you know, the lapels get so wide on those, it gets a little comical, but, you know, the 1980s, 90s, and um, then, of course, going into the more early 1900s, those jackets are always... I just like the style, but... Anyway, we got a little, well, we weren't off-topic. We're not really talking about anything in particular. It's just a nice suit, that's all. That suit I ended up getting, I think that one came into my possession in 20... I'm inclined to say 2015. I think I got that one in early 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And I've had it ever since. It's a good suit. You know, again, it's as comfortable, I like it could wear it any time of year. I mean, it's, you know, you could wear it in the winter. You could wear it in the middle of summer here in Florida or anywhere in between. It's just a nice, it's a nice suit. That's, that's all that I could say about it. So, um, anyway, just a development with the channel there. And, uh, I'm just kind of going to let this video play out and just take a little bit of a breather again. And, and so if there's a couple days extra, between now and then the next video I do on the main uh, Report of the Week channel, I apologize, but that's just why. I'm just going to take a little bit of a breather. You know, I'll I'll do work, maybe, you know, I might do another podcast in the meantime if I have a little bit of extra free time. Uh, I might do another podcast, actually, so you, you might benefit as a listener of this show from this. So who's to say? That's actually what I want to get into next, and then I guess another topic after that that I'll get into real quick. Um, but something that I wanted to mention, and it's an idea that I've been floating around, and I said, what the heck, why doubt yourself? This is your show. So, you know, in in words of, um, you know, Shia LaBeouf, right, from his infamous uh, 2015 video, the most, you know, the most inspirational one that, you've ever seen in your whole life, you know, where he just says, just do it. I thought to myself, you know, why doubt yourself with this idea? You know, just do it if you want to. Again, it's your show. It's uh, Why are you sitting here? You know, <laughs> just do it if you want to. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I am going to do, in the meantime, so after this show gets out, then probably a few days later, I'm going to do another show. But this one is going to go out... Not on YouTube. It's going to be, as they say on uh, many syndicated radio shows, wherever you could find podcasts, you know, pretty much on all the platforms, though. Uh, It'll go out on SoundCloud. It'll go out on TuneIn. It'll go out on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and Google Play and Pocket Casts. And I'll even broadcast it on uh, the shortwave, uh, 7780 kilohertz. Um, at least on Thursday. You yeah, know, probably not this Thursday, but next Thursday. And, uh, I'll probably, again, once the show is done, I'll relay it on, uh, KYAH, uh, 540 for Utah also. So, uh, it'll really go out on every platform except for you hu- uh, for YouTube, just because of the subject matter of the show. Um, but it's one that I just want to do, because I haven't done one about this, uh, in a while. And uh, I just want to do it. So I'm going to do a show about uh, coronavirus. And I don't know how many of you remember this idea that I pitched, I guess, a couple months ago. I think it was like back in, uh, maybe it was April or so. And it was actually pretty successful. There was a lot of correspondence, a lot of feedback, and it worked out nicely. And it's an idea that, you know, because it was very well-received, it was very successful, and a lot of people liked it, um, I'm going to go ahead with it, but I'm just, again, you know, given how things were, uh, I'm just going to put it on all the other platforms. I'm going to do a show about coronavirus, but it's mostly going to be from a listener's point of view, meaning it'll mostly be an hour where I will be essentially the moderator and Largely the platform is given To you the listener Uh, In this hour you'll be able and really the show is just going to be an hour long um, but in this hour you'd be able to go ahead and share your thoughts on the pandemic whatever that might be Uh, Whatever you think of the situation, you know, wherever you are uh, You can do that you can talk about how it's impacted you You can talk about what your opinion is on the whole thing, Uh, you know, wherever you are, whatever town, whatever city, whatever state, whatever country you're in. You can discuss other aspects of it too, of course. You can just ruminate on it. You can give miscellaneous thoughts. You can discuss it from a medical point of view. Uh, But again, it's really, I just wanna leave it as an hour for people to share their views. And uh, just as a way, instead of me just saying this, that, and the other thing, a way for you guys to get your opinions out, of course, on uh, probably the single most defining, uh, you know, event of the entire year, and something that is going to mold the course of, you know, the next few years to come. I know COVID and all that is a discussion that we've heard so many times, and we're sick of it, but even if we are (laughs) sick of this sickness, well, it's not going anywhere Uh, anytime soon, sadly. I think early on, we really, we really weren't sure about how it's going to play out, but uh, I think, (laughs) like it or not, this, you know, so-called new normal uh, is here to stay for a while. So, despite being probably talked about to death, uh, it's still going to be here regardless. If you are interested, again, this special, um, broadcast will probably again just go out online and over a few select uh, radio outlets uh you know again i'm gonna give it a couple days to just let the correspondence come in and then from there i'll assemble it i'll put together a show and um again when it goes out maybe i'll, I'll, I'll promote it on the social media so you just check that but um again it'll be everywhere but this youtube channel so just bear that in mind i uh, know anyway on the final note regarding that. If you do want to submit your thoughts, and again, it could be anything under the sun, all you need to do is just send an email to this show at V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com As long as you keep the discussion relevant to uh, coronavirus, Discuss it in any capacity you would like. I really, there is no, uh, there's no set limit or topic. Uh, As long as it pertains to that, then discuss it any way you want. Social impact, economic, uh, I mean anything. I really just, that's all that it is. Just talk about it and uh, that'll just be the topic there. One thing that I am going to introduce for this show and this show only. So it applies only to the, uh, you know, for this coronavirus um, program, it does not apply to this show, the one I'm doing right now, or any future podcasts that I do on YouTube or any other platform, just for this special coronavirus show that we're talking about right now. If you want to submit your thoughts in audio form, I used to do this a lot last year and then I stopped, But because this show is just going to be its own separate entity, it's not going to be a part of a larger program, and it's just going to be its own special hour, uh, if you do want to submit your views, and I am accepting this again, for this show only, instead of writing, if instead you would like to record your thoughts and have your voice on the air, I am accepting submissions as well to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. The way that works is it's pretty much self-explanatory, but if, uh, let's say, you just have an easier time getting your thoughts out by verbalizing them, uh, then just pick up a microphone. It could just be your phone. It could be any recording device under the sun that you own. Uh, Just enunciate your thoughts. What do you want to talk about, you know, regarding COVID? And uh, just send the file to me once you're done, send the file to me uh, as an attachment to the email, and uh, just send that off to vorwinfo at gmail.com. So you could also submit your thoughts in audio form, and uh, again, either in writing or recorded like that. So I think it's just going to be an interesting program anyway. It's just because it's a topic that's still of interest to me and I think many others. And it's a sensitive issue, of course, that, you know, again, I don't want to upload on the YouTube because a bunch of those got removed. Um, But I still want to talk about it. And I think because I haven't done a show about COVID in so long now, uh, you know, I think there's no harm in doing another one. So that's all. And it's going to be very interactive. It's really just a place for you guys to, uh, you know, get the thoughts out. And again, I'd largely just have the role of a moderator, but I would, you know, lead the discussion, so to speak. But this show won't work out if, uh, you know, if no one does correspond. And if no one does, or if like one or two people do, and I really don't know, but only if only a few people do, and there's not enough material to do an hour-long show, then it'll just be 15 minutes or whatever. Um, But even if a tiny minuscule amount of feedback comes in, you know, I'm not. It would just be an insult to the people who took the time to write in and then not do a show because there wasn't enough material. So, if it just can't get to that hour threshold, I'm still going to do the show either way. But I'm hoping for an hour. And that's what we're we're going to hope for. You're listening in to Vorw International. Uh, all right. Now, on the final note, I wanted to give a very quick update, uh, just on really one thing: uh, shortwave related, because I always give a little bit of an update in each show. Uh, Last broadcast, we were talking about how that one station in South Carolina uh, was going off the air and is being bought by the Flat Earth Religious Ministry, and how the international broadcast relays, you know, the Voice of Vietnam, NHK Radio Japan, and uh, KBS World Radio will also be impacted. Uh, Sadly, it looks like our predictions for that may be accurate. And so far, uh, the Voice of Vietnam has now ceased broadcasts from that facility, and unfortunately, there is no way to hear them in North America at this point. Uh, So it's sad. They were very interesting international broadcaster and they would come through very clearly and it was always fascinating to get a, a perspective from Vietnam on current events and uh, what was going on in the world uh, I enjoyed listening to the Vietnamese music some of their cultural programs and they had a nice uh show that was very listener interactive too where they would you know kind of read uh letters and emails from listeners uh All over the world each week who would correspond with them and if you had a question about Vietnam uh, they would answer it on the air for you and uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was a a very good station but sadly they are now off the air uh, and there's no chance you'd be able to hear them in North America at all. They're gone. I sadly don't think that they're going to be coming back. and while they do still have broadcasts on shortwave uh direct from vietnam there's just no there's no chance to be able to pick up any of those again in north america Uh, so sadly we've lost a good station that's what i was upset about in the last show and i felt that an inevitability and sadly that has transpired you know, you still have the broadcasts of NHK and uh, KBS World Radio to South America, but how much longer are those going to, you know, continue on for, right? That's uh, that's the big what if. In a perfect world, these stations will find another relay to uh, continue broadcasts, but I, I, I just don't see that happening. I think they're going to pull the plug and that's going to be it. And, uh you know, they'll despondently throw in the towel. You know, hey, at least you're going to be able to enjoy a lot of nice flat earth programming in its place now, right? So, that's one thing. Uh, secondly, it looks like two new shortwave stations are going to be constructed in the United States. Uh, though, again, it's not they're not really intended for people like you or me. Uh, These are going to be two new stations. Uh, One is going to be constructed near the Chicago Stock Exchange, and one is going to be constructed in Alpine, New Jersey, uh, with a little bit of a setup also near the New York Stock Exchange. And I think if you if you know what I'm getting at, given that both of these stations are very close to, uh, you know, various stock exchanges, these are financial related, uh, apparently it was discovered um, maybe early, it was publicized early in the year, but it was discovered, um, I think last year or so, that somehow using shortwave radio and broadcasting trading information in a special digital mode to uh, individuals across the Atlantic who have a special receiver that can decode this digital mode, apparently financial trading can be conducted even faster (laughs) through these digital modes on shortwave radio than even using the fastest fiber optic cable, if you would believe that. And sometimes, you know, in in terms of high-frequency trading, uh, time is of the essence. And sometimes, I mean, even these microseconds and milliseconds and all of that, those matter big time. Uh, And because uh, apparently broadcasting the information over this, you know, secure digital mode on shortwave to uh, individuals who can receive it properly has such a speed advantage, now you're starting to get all these new stations popping up <laughs> in near um, various you know stock exchanges that are replying to the FCC claiming that they are going to be broadcasting, programming, you know in this digital mode, for individuals who can decode it and that it's just going to be talk programming and uh, religious uh, audio and, um, (laughs) you know, uh, educational shows. But really, I mean, come on, you have all these stations coming on the air now right near these stock exchanges within the year that it's announced that this is possible and they're all going to want to broadcast in this same uh, special secret digital mode that works for these uh, (laughs) trading, you know, this trading information. So what is it going to be? Is this some sort of new push to, uh, you know, try to have this digital radio on shortwave, or is it just uh, stock traders trying to get an advantage? Of course, it's the latter, and uh, they're not even really trying to hide that fact. So there's gonna be a few new stations on the air um, it's just going to sound like noise, you know, on a regular radio. So it's not anything to listen to. Um, but certainly, Wall Street is trying to get into shortwave a little bit, which is kind of funny, you know, to see such a such a an organization like that, you know, to to get into such an antiquated medium in this day and age. But some listeners have an objection to it. Uh, as for me, I'm pretty neutral. As long as they are legally allowed to do this, uh, then by all means let let Wall Street get into shortwave and let them do uh, let them do what they do. Uh, if anything, you know the shortwave transmitter uh, companies and antenna companies, this is the best thing that could ever happen to them because very, very few people are ever ordering these types of things anymore and now to start getting uh you know contracts for these various trading firms that you know, they're getting into business again. Uh, The shortwave transmitter market is getting a much needed boost right now, but it's just interesting to see that uh, there are a few new stations coming on the air for the, uh, it seems for the stock traders. So that's just interesting to see. At least two stations right now, but I bet there's gonna be more also. That's all that we've got for you uh, in terms of this miscellaneous discussion. Coming up next is the uh, mailbag portion of VORW. In this segment, you can... uh, Well, it's just a place where I read listener correspondence. If you have any questions, any comments, any pieces of feedback, any topic suggestions, anything you would like to talk about, you can correspond with me and write in to VORW. I-N-F-O at gmail.com That's VORW info at gmail.com. If you feel artistically inclined, you can also submit a piece of fan art that will be featured on the YouTube airing. And of course, you will be credited. Just let me know how you would like to be credited, uh, either by name or what social media or website you would like to uh, have credited toward you. And I will be more than happy to do so. You put the time and effort, into making a piece of fan art, and, you know, crediting you is the least I can do, Um, but I would showcase your fan art uh, in the next YouTube uh, airing of this show that I do. You know, it could be the thumbnail, and uh, lots of people will see it, and it's just a fun way. A lot of listeners and viewers, they always like checking out the YouTube shows and seeing what fan art uh, gets featured this time around, so it's just a great way to get your work out. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun for those who enjoy making it as well. But you can submit fan art to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And uh, again, just include the fan art as an attachment. I'll download it, I'll take care of it, and I'll do all the legwork from there. So with that, uh, you know, don't hesitate to write in either. The last show that we did I uh, got a very, very good amount of uh, listens, at least that I could track, uh, in the many tens of thousands. But the actual number of pieces of uh, correspondence received was uh, actually lower than usual. And I think that might be because uh, some people, maybe they see all the all the listens and they, they think, well, you know, he must already get flooded, you know, and he must have thousands of uh, emails. And, you know, this time around, actually, there weren't all that many that came in. Uh, So, if you do want to write in, please, by all means, the more the merrier. And, uh, you know, if there's something that you want to contribute, something you want to talk about, again, a question for me, a topic you want to hear discussed, or anything in between. Um, It could even be if you read something interesting, you know, on Wikipedia that you want to share. Uh, If you listened to something interesting on the radio that you want to talk about, if you watch something cool that you want to suggest, by all means. This is a clean slate. To talk about anything you want. And also bear in mind, again, the special COVID show, but this um, request for feedback is going to be for the next full-blown podcast that I do, not the COVID thing, right? This is just general stuff for the next show, just like this one, you know, that's going to follow this on YouTube. I think you all get the hang of it. No need to try to oversimplify things and then make things more confusing and so on and so forth. So with that, let's open up the email and let's see what we have to read today. And uh let's start off today's edition of the Mailbag Show. We'll start it off with a uh, little bit of a sip of water. I think I kind of do that in every single broadcast, but... I don't know, why not? It's a good luck. Good luck water sip, right? Anyway, as I get up and... um you know, continue to pace around a little bit. You may, I don't know how well this will actually register on the final recording. I really don't. You know, sometimes I I hear something with my own ears, but it doesn't really, but then, you know, it shows up anyway. I don't know. I know the microphone is highly directional, um, but if you hear a little bit of like a low humming sound in the background, all that is is the air conditioner, I usually try to keep it off um, while I do the recording just so I don't have that noise interference, but tonight is just one of those nights that it needs to be on. So, you know, that's just just what it comes down to. But anyway, I apologize. Uh, If anyone happens to uh, find that a bit annoying, I, I do apologize once again. Okay. So with that... Let's uh, take a look at the emails that we have lined up here. First email comes in from Lauren in Iowa, who writes, Hi, ReviewBra, Hope this question isn't too intrusive. You often mention current events, not just in America, but all over the world. Does keeping up with these things ever take a toll on your mental state? Personally, I'm struggling right now, and I find watching the news makes me feel awful. Do you ever experience any degree of this, and if you do, how do you cope? Also, I just wanted to say I love the show, and I often listen to it to wind down at night and go to sleep. I'm so grateful for your hard work and dedication to making something wholesome and honest, especially at a time like this. Sincerely, Lauren in Iowa. So thank you, Lauren, for writing in and for your question. Uh, Certainly a very valid question, granted. Uh, Everyone... Right, we know this. Everyone is a unique individual with a unique way of processing situations and, you know, dealing with what is going on in the world. And I think, like many of you know, right, I really do try to keep up to date with what's going on around the world, not just in the U.S., but especially internationally, And I will follow, uh, in many cases very intently, these dreadful conflicts that happen in other parts of the globe. So I will say this, it all depends on the situation. In a unique aspect, I suppose, following international current events is not necessarily uh, taxing on me at all, believe it or not. You know, i the sad thing about it is, is that I go into it with the understanding that the world is a sick, uh, you know, (laughs) largely cruel place, and that, you know, a lot of people (laughs) do just terrible, terrible misdeeds, and I kind of go in there, so I go in, I hate to say it this way, but with the bar set extremely low and expecting the worst. And I think as a result, you know, you just don't really expect a good outcome in many situations, so you're not overly surprised uh, with what happens. But as a result, I mean, people will say, wow, what a terrible attitude to have, that's awful, I would never have that, I would never look at it that... But look at it this way then, right? In a world where obviously, you know, humanity just is what it is, Right? And you follow these very violent events and civil wars, and, you know, I I follow uh, what's going on with various extremist groups, such as the uh, Islamic State Remnants, right? What's going on with the Taliban, etc., and obviously the things that they do. I'll even, you know, monitor the uh, Boko Haram in Nigeria, which, again, isn't all that active, and Al-Shabaab in Somalia... And again, these groups do absolutely terrible atrocities. So, to to follow what's going on there, or to monitor, let's say, some of these dreadful authoritarian uh, regimes that you know unjustly uh, kill and uh, you know torture protesters or whatever, right? To look at some of those things with an attitude, otherwise saying everything's going to turn out great. And then see these things happen how is that going to make you feel it's going to make you feel defeated it's going to make you feel demoralized and it's going to eat away at you uh, when i look at things unfortunately again expecting these sorts of actions how does it make me feel when something turns out better when there end up being survivors when let's say the the evil uh, evildoers end up getting crushed and getting destroyed And individuals are truly liberated, right? How does that make me feel? It makes me feel wonderful. Because you expected such a terrible situation and it turned out uh, otherwise. So, world events do not overly, but, but again, you know, loss of life is loss of life. There's always a feeling, you know, of sadness and upset whenever this happens. But I just try to look at it more from like a news perspective. So that's why it doesn't get me uh, upset. I will say, though, one thing that I can't stand and I actually deliberately go out of my way to avoid uh, is, uh, you know, mainstream politics in the United States. I I actually deliberately go out of my way to avoid that now. I'm so sick of it. Um, When the election is over, maybe... I'll watch some of the mainstream news networks again, but I'm so sick of it. Uh, you know, that's not that doesn't mean that I don't have any political opinions or uh, don't have viewpoints or don't have uh, thoughts politically. Of course I do. You know, of course I do. Everyone does. Uh, the thing is, though, is that I'm so sick and tired of all the partisan, you know, mudslinging that goes on, you know, from... One side against the other. Us versus them, right? The good good versus evil, now is, now is the latest thing. Who are the good guys? Who are the evil guys? <laughs> that just depends on what side you're on. Everyone's the good guys, everyone's the enemy, right? just depends on who you, who you look at as, as such. You know, you get a different answer depending on, on who you ask. That's how far it's gone, though. You know, I even, I go as far as to say hyper-partisan. It's not to say that, you know, so many of the events this year aren't polarizing, that people, you know, are just doing this and acting this way for no no reason whatsoever. Granted, 2020 has certainly been one heck of a year. Uh, With the COVID and with all the different, you know, events that have happened over the country, of course... Of course, people are upset, people are frustrated, and, well, people are angry at each other. And some people are angry at the government, some people are angry at the people who are angry at the government. (laughs) And uh, I think some people are just angry in general, they're just angry people. You know, they exploit a situation. You see it all. But... I just get, I get, granted, there is a need for political discourse. There is a, there is a total need for it. Uh, It's not to say, you know, ban politics, cancel politics, right? I'm just so sick of having every single second of news on mainstream networks spent covering U.S. political issues. It's like nothing else in the country even matters. And let alone the world. Forget about the world. The world outside the U.S.'s borders does not exist. As a matter of fact, the world outside of Washington, D.C., and, uh, you know, the political system doesn't exist either. It doesn't. It's just a black void. That's the impression you'd think. Local news, who cares? Right? Who cares about what's going on in your, uh, your city, your state, your part of the country. Oh, the derecho that hit and has still crippled parts of Iowa. What derecho, huh? I didn't hear about any derecho. That, that thing that's still going on? What? Oh, those wildfires in California? Don't those happen every year? Who cares if it was a bunch of people's houses that were destroyed? Who cares? Oh, uh, the hurricane, Hurricane uh, uh, L- L- Lawrence uh, that hit. Uh, uh, what was that? Was that New Orleans this year? I uh, don't no. <laughs> what about What about it? I didn't hear about that for uh, more than uh, five seconds because, uh, you know, it, it, nothing is devoted on issues that I think... <laughs> and that's just from the natural disaster point of view. You know, we're not even going to get into anything else. But so much stuff just gets wasted on these hyperpartisan attacks and this... Uh, just this incessant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, I'm very, very thankful that I don't have cable at this point, because, and I'm just, I'm speaking my opinion. Again, if someone wants political discourse, by all means, do what you gotta do. I don't, you know, I'm frustrated with it, but it doesn't need to end. I'm just, I'm just expressing my frustrations with how I feel it eats away at coverage of I think serious events that really deserve it more you know that that, that's what my frustration is I'm just thankful that you know I'm not spending any money on any sort of cable package or anything to get the big news networks because I, I don't know it'd be money wasted I just you know I've seen it and it's just people yelling at each other and that's it I don't want to watch that. I just want to know what's going on in the world. I just want to know what's going on in the country. And I just want to be presented the facts and then, you know, leave it up to me to think what I think of it. Decide whose fault it is, if any. I just don't like it when they, you know, try and paint out one group as, you know, the the worst scum in the world, right? That humanity is going to be ended if we let these people do what they're doing. You know, and then you go to a different network and they point out a different group. It's, they are the worst to ever exist. And then you go to a third network and they point out a specific, you know, uh, few people or whatever. You know, these people are Satan incarnate. And it's like, you know, you go from one to the next, you hear hearing 180 degree different opinion, all with the same uh, ferocity all with the same vitriolic nature you know that's not what i watch the news for you know it's it's editorialized it's it's editorialized programs that you know are designed to resonate with people of a particular view you know but unless you're an ardent uh, you know supporter but even then i i honestly think some of these networks even if you are an ardent supporter of whatever political movement they align with. I think that the overall abrasive, in-your-face, you know, spoon-feeding attitude that some of these places have, even if you agree with everything that they say, just stylistically, it would still not be something that you'd want to watch. It just gets too much. You just need a break feel tired, you feel exhausted after the, you know, you don't even know what to feel anymore. You know, I just like watching news for coverage as unbiased as possible, and that's, <laughs> that never exists, but as possible, those are the words, as possible. Again, it's not, you know, it's not perfect, but I just wanted unbiased as possible uh, of local, uh, but also national and, you know, international, events. I'll tell you this, you know, from my experience at least, uh, watching television as of late, and I, I will say this, uh, over the last month I've been watching uh, TV a lot less, a lot less. I don't know what it is about it, but I just don't get the same appeal from it anymore. I'll actually go and I'll just unplug the TV when I'm not watching it. I don't know, I just don't like having it plugged in, and I'll just unplug it, let it sit there. You know, and then if I want to use it, plug it back in for however long, do my thing, and then unplug it again. Uh, But even then, from what TV that I watch, the local news stations, you know, just for the immediate vicinity, do a marvelous job reporting. You know, they all do a fantastic job. That's the type of news uh, that I want, that still has a heart. And just unbiasedly, or at least with as little spin as possible, reports what's going on. You know, you want to know what's going on, the good and the bad in the area? Then watch your local news. And you'll get it compared to the national stuff. Uh, the The level of spin to it is so minuscule. it will be amazed. But I, I, I do enjoy watching the local news. I make that a point pretty much every day to at least watch one or two of the newscasts that I'm able to catch depending on my schedule sometimes in the morning, sometimes the evening but um certainly it's news done with dignity it's not done for show or performance or to try to make you, you know, do this or that or whatever it's just news it's how it should be Um, but then after that like in the mornings for instance I'll watch the local news and then you know, you get what what always comes on after the local news in the mornings, or especially very early, you get these nationally syndicated um, morning shows. I guess as they would say in the UK, breakfast shows. And, you know, whatever one that it is, be that the Today Show, Good Morning America, or whatever other derivatives there are, I know there's tons. Uh, what do I do? I, I turn the channel and go watch something else. Usually one of the neighboring channels broadcasts the show American Greed, which is about uh, financial criminals, and I'll watch that. I always, as soon as one of those nationally syndicated programs comes on, I turn the channel and go somewhere else. I just, I don't even watch it anymore. I'm so sick of it. I'm just disillusioned with it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Just the whole style, the whole, the anger, the vitriol. Again, not to say that some of it isn't justified, but... You know, especially on these platforms that say that they inform you, that say that they try to remain professional and that say that they're going to conduct their service with dignity. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I actively avoid that, not to say that I keep my head in the sand. I still follow very, very well what goes on with the us pot. As a matter of fact, I monitor all the stuff uh, going on with the election. Uh, I check the polls, I check all of that. I even check the betting markets. Some of that stuff is pretty interesting, let me tell you. But that doesn't mean that I sit there and watch these screaming talking heads all day. There's ways you can still stay informed with that, but avoid the vitriol that uh, comes along with so much political reporting nowadays. So that's what bothers me. That's what, um, you know, you just see these people going crazy that's what gets me when it comes down to news and that's why i actively avoid it because if i sat there and watched (laughs) and watched this stuff all day would i be any better informed about how things are than i am already that's highly doubtful because again i already try to keep in touch with everything but my stress would be a lot higher probably be more upset, more anxious, more disappointed with the state of things, and would it get me anywhere? No. I wouldn't be any better off in any way, shape, or form. That's why I avoid it. Now, if you're a fan of that stuff, then go ahead, watch it, you know, do what you want to do, but this is just conjecture about my personal opinion and why I'm not a fan of that, why I don't watch that. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. So thank you again for writing in and uh, for your question. Let's go to uh, next one up. Okay, we have listener writing in saying, Hello, John, I wanted to write to you for a long time, but rather than the long procrastinated letter I planned, here instead is a snapshot of an actor I admire, Robert Downey Jr., in a series I was just enjoying. When I saw what he was wearing, I just knew I had to share it with you. Check out that collar. So we have a picture of uh, Robert Downey Jr. The name, let's see, what's the name of this? Looks like it's the Age of AI. Let's just make sure this. Age, cause I just don't want to say the wrong thing, you know, of... AI. Now I'm not very up to date on this stuff, but let's see. That looks like him to me. Yes indeed. Robert Downey Jr. hosts the brand new original YouTube original series, The Age of AI. I wonder what it's about. Let's look this up. What is it about? how ai has shaped the world okay well that's that's fair sometimes you know the title gives it away sometimes it's more cryptic but okay all right that's fair anyway uh you posted a picture of him there and yeah he's looking good you know we were talking about the wing collar and yeah you know he's going with the three-piece suit got the tie on it's kind of like a little bit of a cravat but also a tie maybe it's just a very thick necktie but he's got the wing collar going. That is a good look. That is a good look, absolutely. I got distracted. Anyway, uh, (laughs) you you, you wrote, uh, when I saw what he was wearing, I just knew I had to share it with you. Check out that collar. He's always been someone whose style I admire, and I think you can also appreciate his good taste. I adore anachronistic dressing and love your style as well. Well, thank you, number one. Uh, I I certainly uh, appreciate that. And yes, that is a very good look. A very good look. Uh, Continuing on with your uh, letter, you continue. I'm just a fan and I really admire you. I like the voice and speaking pace and how your vocabulary and style of communication have improved as you've grown. I've been delighted by your wit, humor, and strength of character, stoicism and strength, and just your self-confidence, self-knowledge, and individuality. Well, thank you very much for your very kind uh, email. Uh, I know you wanted to uh, be anonymous, and I certainly uh, respect that. Uh, But thank you very much for your kind email. I I really appreciate it. And, you know, I I really do thank you for your kind words. I know many of the things that you mention, I don't necessarily see in myself. But I I really do thank you. And and I'm glad that you enjoy this, this channel, that you enjoy these broadcasts. And uh, again, thank you very much for your sincere, for your sincere kind words. I, it really means a lot to me. And I don't mean to say it like a broken record when, you know, such lovely emails do come in. Uh, but kind emails like that really do. You know, when I see that, you know, sometimes you get the negative comments and stuff that come in uh, just in, in absolute droves on the YouTube. But, you know, when you see, when you see emails like that from you know, genuine viewers and listeners, uh, the good outweighs the bad by a long shot. So thank you so much. Next email up comes in from Susie writing, Hi, John. I've been a huge fan of your shows for many years, and I was going back and watching some of your older food reviews and watched one of my favorites, Planet Wings Suicide Wings. My question is just a simple one. Did you ever go back and eat the other nine wings at some point? I know I couldn't have. Uh, keep soaring and with your amazing talents. And thanks for being a wonderful and funny person. So thank you, Susie, for corresponding. Yeah, the Planet Wings... Suicide Wings... Video. I know some people, you know the name... It, it is what it is. That's, just the, that's the name that they gave the item over at Planet Wings. I wasn't the one that named it. <laughs> but you know so here's the backstory to that video uh you know planet wings is a uh, chicken wing chain let's see where they are what the heck i'm just looking at this real quick And I'm not going to edit this out. I'm not going to. I'm just a little confused at something, because I didn't think... Hmm. Maybe it's just one that has a similar name, I don't know. Sorry to sit here and, you know, waste this time. I know it's not the same experience is what I'm seeing I'm just looking up this place you know Planet Wings and I'm just extraordinarily I guess confused at the moment is I guess the right word for it because I was told that there were none in any way shape or form anywhere in this area I thought they were only up in New York And then I'm given this random address. It says Planet Wings. Is it even a restaurant? I don't know. I don't think it's the same one. Let's look. Let's just go on their website so I can quit wasting time here and let's find out where the locations are. I was gonna get into it anyway, so. Yeah, there's none in Florida. So then what the heck is even this Planet Wings that show? Who knows? It's a bootleg Planet Wings, right? They're they're, they're secretly, they're doing other things. They're not serving wings, all right. (laughs) I joke. I bet it's another place with the same name or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So Planet Wings uh, was a chicken wing chain up in New York and New Jersey. Now, they're not the largest chain, but especially when the channel was smaller. They were large enough to warrant a review, and heck, who doesn't like some chicken wings, right? Um, But let's see how many locations there are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. A dozen locations. I think there were more, but... They're mostly located in uh, Rockland County, uh, looks like Westchester County, Orange County, even a few down in the city, and... uh, down in New Jersey like uh, in Edison and Garfield and I don't think there's any in the Bronx but it looks like there's one in Staten Island so there's a couple mostly looks like they're north of the city in the Hudson Valley but there's a couple but anyway Planet Wings first opened up very close to me back in 2012 and I was elated because uh, you know the, the place before the planet wings opened was this old i don't know like dollar store or something and the stuff there was always garbage and i never was interested in it so when the place went out of business and this wing place opened up you can imagine my excitement because this area wasn't all that varied in terms of um, food options very very close and i like my wings right so to have a wing place open, like, right down the street, how cool is that, you know? It's like, wow, I've been waiting for this. Uh, so I was really, really happy, and I would go there often. I'd go there, like, a, more than a weekly basis, a couple times a week. They had this really good deal, you know, I always liked the boneless wings. I know people say what they say about the boneless wings. That One guy in Nebraska gave the <laughs> gave his compelling speech at uh the city council there or whatever that was and he wasn't wrong but you know they just called what they're called you know they're glorified chicken nuggets with the wing sauce and if someone wants to call it a boneless wing then let them call it that but uh i would always get the boneless wings there they had a good deal i would get like a 10 uh, even 15 piece if i was really ravenous uh, sometimes i get a burger too you know the wings were the best but the burgers were pretty good And uh, eventually I made it a point to start doing reviews of uh, their items because, again, it was right down the street. There were enough places that it was, like, it was big enough, again, to, I would say, warrant a review. And uh, I just went from there. You know, I'd go there all the time, so, I mean, why not? But I did so many reviews, let's see, from first one was on august of 2012 i tried their just what was it i guess their medium wings that's what i would always get that was my go-to i did a ton of reviews in uh, late 2013 early 2014 and i even my last reviews were in 2015 and then in 2016 that was my final one but uh, they had so many flavors of wings they had Oh, all different types, I mean, like, let's see, the ones that I did, you know, they had mild, medium, hot, they had, like, Inferno, um, Butter Garlic, Classic Barbecue, Honey Barbecue, Jamaican Jerk Hot Barbecue, (laughs) Smoky Mountain Barbecue, Hot Gourmet Garlic, um, Oriental Sesame, Sweet and Tangy, Lemon Pepper uh, honey mustard, you know, and all this stuff. Like, there was so much. And that wasn't even it, but, you know, that's how many reviews I did. And, uh, yeah, I, so here's the, here's the thing with the suicide wings. Let's look. Here's a copy of their menu. Let's look. Well, that wasn't as big as I thought it'd be. No, right, never mind. But either way so they had all these hot sauces you know they had again mild medium hot you know then they had like inferno and then they had the suicide wings and that was the spiciest wings on their menu and i remember i went in there that day i said you know what i've never gotten these i never eat the hottest ones but for the sake of the review i'm gonna go in i'm gonna get the hottest the hottest wings they have and uh, i'm gonna do a review on them i remember when i went in that that uh, day
1: again i think it was like
0: november um i think maybe december but i recall you know it was a winter day winter night even it got dark already and i remember the crew in there they all knew me at this point because i was a regular i mean you know i'd always go in there they knew who i was This was before the YouTube channel was all that big. So they didn't, you know, know me from the YouTube. They just, they knew me because I was just a regular there. You know, I just, I was a frequent customer. So (laughs) I remember I go in and, you know, the guy he's there, he's saying, you know, what will it be today? Because he's so used to me just getting the more mild stuff. And I told him, "All right, I'm gonna get a ten-piece order of the boneless uh, suicide wings." And he, you yeah, know, with this expression, he's like, "Oh boy, good luck with that." I think that's what he said. And then one of his co-workers, who was kind of hanging out, he said, "Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna really be in for some spice. I'm just warning you." And I said, "Yeah, I, I know what I'm getting myself into. I'm just gonna give it a shot." So they prepared them. I did the review, and I tried them out. And oh boy, were they hot! It was the hottest uh, food I ever ate, ever, even to this day. Nothing else even comes close to that. It was like a type of heat that I had never felt before or after. It was like, it was so crazy that even when I opened the styrofoam receptacle that the wings were in, they were coated in the sauce. And I mean, I could just smell the heat. Like, I don't know, I could just smell heat. It it was just like the fumes, you know, of the sauce were so potent. Even that was getting to me. And I ate the wing. And I remember the first thing, and I, I even remember I was able to vocalize this, was like the moment this spice was fully received, I felt like this rush of blood just go up to my face. And it was strong. I mean, I was in a in a state the whole time. But, I mean, look, it was a good product because the goal of the item was to be the spiciest thing. And, oh yeah, was it spicy? Wasn't necessarily enjoyable, but it was really, really spicy. And, you know, I remember that video. A lot of viewers at the time, um... They really enjoyed it. They got a kick out of it. But, you know, that video doesn't... I don't think it's as big as... Well, no, no, look, I I was wrong. I remember for a while it had really stagnated, but... Now it's got close to a million views, and I would say for good reason. I remember I was... Oh, gosh, I was in such a... Such a state with that one. And I remember in the video... I remember saying, like, something like, so I got the 10-piece, and I was saying, oh, boy, you know, I got nine more to go. <laughs> you know, God help us all, or I, I said something like that. Uh, from my recollection, I'll give you the honest answer. I didn't eat the other. I didn't eat all of them. No, I, I couldn't. There was no way. There was no way. I couldn't do it. Um, I had a couple more, but the way I ate them was so different compared to the first. I took a knife and fork... And I had to cut it up real small. That was the only way it was tolerable. You know, cut it in half, then cut the half in half, and... Maybe eat that. But that was the only way it could be done. There was no other way, but... So I might have eaten, like, two or three more. But that was it. There was... It was just impossible. But yeah, the Planet Wings reviews, you know, that brings me back. I mean for me, uh, late 2013, early 2014, it was a really, really tough time, uh, with the YouTube and with all of that, I was, YouTube channel, I remember back then, was just being, you know, very, very nasty things were being said about me then, just nasty trolls, that's all that I could say, you know, people who were telling me to kill myself every day, and they just didn't leave me alone. It was just relentless, and at the time, you know, despite having, you know, I had been doing the channel for greater than two years, but I had dealt with trolls, but never such an, uh, you know, such a sustained, harsh, type of uh, attack like that, and, and such terrible things. And it really got me in a rut for a while, and you know, I'm glad I bounced back, but I remember. Yeah, the days of the regular Planet Wing reviews, it's just... You know, a time that was difficult, but... Things are... (laughs) Things are so much better now. But on a final note about Planet Wings... Sadly... I mean, I, I, I miss them. And then you might say, Well, you know, you... You know, would you ever just go up to New York and when you're there, get some... Get some wings? Yeah, the problem is, though, is that... The one that was so close, uh, they closed down. They closed down right before the COVID started. Maybe they got some advanced warning or something. I don't know. But they, um, yeah, they closed down very, very abruptly. So now, I don't know. There's just, even if I were to be up there, there's no, there's not one that I would be able to go to that's close. I mean, I lost a good place with good wings, but... Yeah, the Suicide Wings review—that one, that one was crazy. <laughs> it, it was crazy. It's just, it was craziness. Um, we got this listener goes by the name Late Night Retro. Since we're on the topic of food, let's just stay to it. Um, writes I saw that you really enjoyed that Domino's chicken taco pizza. Get this review for the cheeseburger pizza. Because, see, Domino's released two pizzas. They released the uh, chicken taco one, which was very good. Um, And then they also released a cheeseburger one, which I had not tried. And uh, anyway, this guy says, uh, get this, the cheeseburger pizza has ketchup on it. Now, ketchup is usually a little too sweet, a little overbearing, right? This is why when I'm putting sausages in my mouth, uh, I like to dull it with a little mustard. But I want you to try this pizza because the ketchup, to me, is unique in the sense that it's not overbearing. It actually kind of melds in with uh, everything else. It's a real surprise. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Your number one fan, uh, Late Night Retro. So thanks for the suggestion. I, I've I've duly noted it. And uh, one thing, I don't like doing videos like from the same place too quick in advance, but I have a feeling these pizzas are going to be around a while, so... No harm in just waiting a little bit and then going ahead and trying it out. But thank you. I'll certainly... I think I'll make the rounds at some point and uh, give it a shot. And then a uh, final food note we hear from Kim. He says, uh, You need to review Freddy's cro- Frozen Custard and steak burgers. Uh, they're like if Culver's and Steak and Shake had a baby, only better. There's one in the Orlando area and a few others in Florida. So thanks, Kim. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about... Freddy's a couple uh, shows back, and uh, certainly, uh, maybe I'll go ahead and review them. But I've I've already been there, and it's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it is like a combination of Culver's, and Steak and Shake. It's really like Steak and Shake, but better. You know, they just do a good job. But yeah, the Steak and Shake that I went to, that had that dreadful experience, I checked a bunch of um, reviews earlier. And that place is just really going downhill. I mean, it's just going... The experience that I had at that Steak and Shake that made me throw in the towel for the entire chain was not unique. I'm looking, and there's so many one-star reviews for this place. It's crazy. So, it's just... and, And issues that I've noticed, too. So, they're really just... They're going downhill fast. Um, but thank you again for writing in and uh, for uh, the suggestion. This next uh, email comes in from an anonymous listener saying, uh, sending in a reception report. It says, I've recently listened to your latest VORW from the 21st of August through YouTube. I am listening in New York. Uh, I'd like to inquire about reception reports and ask what uh, are things that I should include in my report. I wish that... Uh, They are helpful, and I feel as though some newer reviewers might not find this useful as well. Some some newer viewers might feel this useful as well. I hope this email finds you in good health most sincerely. So thank you, um, Anon, for writing in and sending in a uh, reception report. So here's what a reception report is. Now, you can do one online. I've seen people do it. Um, I've seen... People, again, give in reception reports for uh, YouTube videos, uh, through, through streams, tune-in, etc. Um, but reception reports are most common through traditional terrestrial radio. And a reception report serves two purposes. Uh, number one, with the broadcast to, you know, let the host and program and station know what the quality of the transmission is, where it can be heard, you know, how clear it's coming in, maybe what they're listening with. But secondly, it's also done just as a way to let people know that there's a listener out there. Because when it comes down to radio, there are no metrics. There are no statistics. Uh, There's none of that. When it comes down to, let's say doing this podcast, or doing something on YouTube or whatnot, there isn't any sort of need to really ask especially for reception reports. It's like, okay, you know, you know that this many people are listening in, so there's an audience. You know, you don't need to know people are listening because you know for a fact people are. That's why I always ask for You know, just regular correspondence and reception reports aren't needed for, like, YouTube. But if you still want to do them, you can. That's fine. Um, Reception reports, again, they're mostly done for radio, for shortwave, because there's no way to measure an audience out there. That's why. So you know you're broadcasting the signal, but you you have no idea where it's reaching or how many people are listening in. So a common way listeners on shortwave will uh, inform the program they're tuned into that, you know, they're listening, is by submitting what they call a reception report. And um, it's very basic, you know, you don't really need all that much. When I do my shows and I ask for reception reports on shortwave, I always just say, hey, let me know you're listening, that's it. Um, Just maybe give me your name and where you are and what frequency you're picking up the broadcast on, but that's all that I need. Now, you can be more... Of, um. You can be more explicit if you would like. You can say, oh, well, my name is so-and-so. I'm in, you know, Bronx, New York. I tuned in on 9395 kilohertz on my, uh, you know, Grundig FR uh, 350 receiver. Uh, from the time of uh, 2100 to uh, 2145 UTC. You know, slight fading. Um, you can get very technical, but really I just need a letter to to let me know what person, um, what frequency the person is listening on and really how it's coming in. So I'm just very basic with reception reports, but when I personally write them, and that's not to say that I do all that often because I really don't, But when I do write reception reports, um, one thing that I always try to bear in mind is I, I always feel bad because a lot of people, when they do reception reports, always ask for something for free. And a lot of stations don't really like that. So when I write to stations, it's very formal how I write and I, you know, I let them know if you guys want to give me something, that's fine, but I don't want anything. I'm just letting you know I'm a listener. Yeah. Okay, so here's an example of a report that I um, sent out the other day, and you'll see that it's very formal, and I don't really, you, you don't have to do this at all. Is this how I do it? I wrote to uh, Radio Taiwan International. I picked up their broadcast. So here's what I wrote to them as an email. I said to them, Dear Radio Taiwan International, Enclosed herein is a reception report for your international shortwave broadcast. Received August 11th, 2020, from 100 UTC to 130 UTC on the frequency of 5850 kHz. I listened to your transmission on a portable TechSoon PL660 receiver using the telescopic whip antenna exclusively. I'm currently located in Central Florida, United States. Below is a SynPO rating of the broadcast. Signal strength, good. Interference, some. Noise, moderate. Propagation disturbance, moderate. Overall rating, fair. Technical comments. Radio Taiwan International was received in central Florida on 5,800 kHz with fair to good reception, while the signal strength remained consistently good, noise interference and very frequent fading made portions of the broadcast slightly difficult to hear. Reception was fair overall, and the majority of the program could be understood. Program Comments I kind of th- in this in this case now I talk about what I heard and I do so, you know, by the minute to just let people know. Okay, yeah, he really listened, you know. It, and they they kind of try to time it out to make sure it's not fake. So I say um, at O one UTC. This was a Spanish broadcast, so I couldn't speak it well. But I said uh, I heard them say "Escuchan Radio Taiwan Internacional" as well as uh, the date provided in Spanish. At 101 UTC, uh, news in Spanish, uh, including a piece about the visit of Alex Azar to Taiwan and uh, another item about the turmoil in Hong Kong. At oh uh, one hundred fourteen, the program discussed the uh, historical timeline of a university in Taiwan, uh, or perhaps about an individual uh, affiliated with that institution. Various uh, dates were discussed. At 0127, a Taiwanese contemporary song uh, was played. I just described it as a slower paced with interchanging male and female vocals and then sign off. So I just let them know through that, you know, detailed thing that I listened and that's what the program was. Uh, concluding, then I give my final remarks, which are different for every broadcaster. I write, the culture of Taiwan is of great interest to me and I want to learn more about news and current events facing Taiwan as well. Unfortunately, my Spanish-speaking abilities are limited, and I am disappointed that I'm unable to receive English-language broadcasts of Radio Taiwan on shortwave at all. As a result, I will listen to the Spanish service, uh, since I can somewhat understand the content. I sincerely hope that English-language broadcasts to North America can be added. It would be greatly appreciated, and I would listen regularly. I've been a shortwave radio listener since 2013, although I only write to the stations I listen to infrequently. If this report is found to be correct in nature, it would be an honor to receive a QSL card as proper verification. And then I just give my... uh Name and address, and that's how it is. That's a reception report. How I send them, but no one ever has to waste as much time on one as um <laughs> as as I did there. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I know I've been droning on and on about this uh, subject long enough. I guess in the end, I'm just trying to say that you know, a reception report, it can be detailed. It can be, uh, it could be long. It could be short. But in the end, I think at least, again, in terms of my own program as a broadcaster, and I don't mean to speak for others, but I would, just from the conversations I've had, what many other broadcasters want as well is really just an email, knowing that there are people out there tuned in. And that's what it comes down to. From there, you know, it's up to you what you want to uh, include, But I think one of the most important things for a reception report is to be honest, but uh, you know, be respectful. But you know, if the signal is really bad or something, uh, by all means, you know, let them know. Don't feel like it would be any sort of, you know, insult if the the broadcast sounds terrible or something. Um, Because I mean, certainly if I'm doing a, a show and listeners can't hear it correctly, I want to know that. So that's something that's important to me. Now, thank you again for uh, writing in. And with that, let's get into uh, some more emails. Certainly have a lot to get to today. So uh, let's just pick another one and uh, go from there. We've got an email coming in from Drew. says, uh, McDonald's spicy nuggets are coming on September 16th. How crazy is that? Hope you are well, John, and congrats on 2 million subscribers. Take care and be safe. All right, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. It's good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, the McDonald's, McDonald's is finally going to release some new items after really a very, very uneventful year. I think they released like one item this entire year, and that's it which is really a shame because to to tell, you know, different establishments perform in different ways when it comes down to reviews and, uh, you know, subsequent interest uh, from viewers out there. And it's just that certain places, just people want to see reviews from and other places not so much. And again, if I were just doing the reviews, not really as a livelihood, but just to do. I would try out some different items and different things, but unfortunately, you know, what I try out and views and what I think people want to see, you know, sadly does does play a role. No, I mean, I mean, I've thought about making another channel for maybe smaller places, um, but I just don't think it would do as well. Not in terms of, uh, you know, the videos. Again, that would be with the intention that I don't care. Um, But just that no one would really find it. I mean, case in point, you know, this channel. Sometimes, with YouTube at least, I think the more you diversify in terms of making additional channels, the more you're hurting yourself. Uh, That's just what I say from first-hand experience. That's my advice you know maybe go with the second channel at absolute most um but don't don't go from there you know if you really want to look that's up to you but i'm I'm just saying in, in that regard uh, again i just speak from personal experience but you know certain places like i was getting at anyway people want to see more than others uh, for instance a chain that no one really cares about but i still review from time to time uh, is Panda Express. Sadly, just people don't have that interest. Uh, you know, other chains that people don't really care all that much about are, uh, you know, even Chick-fil-A. But I mean, I like Chick-fil-A. They're one of my favorite places to go to. You know, I go there at least once a week, sometimes twice. They're, food is fantastic. Um, lots of other places that I don't even review, like Subway, you know, all that stuff. People don't care. You know, the, the, the reviews that everyone wants to see are McDonald's. You know, you could even look back, most of the stuff that I've ever done for McDonald's always does good, uh, because there's a McDonald's on every block in America, so it seems. You know, there's so many. And that people like McDonald's. One reason why I have a favorable view, not of, you know, the food is hit or miss, but one reason, especially right now, that I have a favorable view of McDonald's, is it seems like in this day and age of, you know, COVID-19 and everything shutting down and cutting back and cutting back their hours and scaling back, they're one of the only places that's open 24 hours still. I mean, pr- pretty much. The only two places now, you know, for God's sake, even Denny's, <laughs> even Denny's is shutting down early now. How crazy is that? They used to be reliable. And when Waffle House, if, they, if they're if they next, that's going to be it. But Denny's, that's going to be missed, I mean, big time. They're shutting down early now. They're shutting down at like midnight. Used to be a time where at least I could go at 3 a.m. and get a nice juicy burger, you know, from Denny's, and it was pretty good. always go with the uh, bourbon sauce. That's what I do. Um, but now I can't even do that. Uh, Taco Bell, you know, their hours aren't what they used to be. All these places. <laughs> the only two establishments that I've, I, I see that are even open late at night anymore are Steak and Shake, which is complete and total garbage. We've already been there. We don't need to talk about them again. And McDonald's, and that's it. So I mean, there will be times, you know, where I will wake up after midnight, and uh, you know, McDonald's at least you could you could count on them, which is good. Bare basics. Don't expect a gourmet meal or anything, but at least they have something. But uh, yeah, this year the only thing they even released was the double Big Mac, which was a pretty it was good, but it was a lazy excuse for an item. It was something that you could have already gotten. <laughs> you they they discontinued it, but did they really just get a just get a uh, Big Mac with an extra patty and there you go. So that was just a pretty lazy item. But um there was that. And and that was it. But this month they're having two new releases. They're having the uh Spicy Nuggets. And then they also have this... I don't follow this stuff. What is his name? Travis Scott? I think he's a prominent musician, right? But he apparently teamed up with them for some special item. But I'll try out both of them. Uh, I'm certainly eager to do another McDonald's review. It'll be uh, at least something different. Because nowadays you just have the same old, same old places kind of pumping out one item after the next, which, again, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just nice to change it up a little bit. So thanks again, Drew, for uh, writing in. Uh, next up, we have an email now off the food uh, topics. I have an email coming in from Josh. Says, hey, John, thanks for reading my last correspondence on uh, your previous podcast about Blaze Pizza. Sorry for your bad experience with that pretzel company. I certainly can't, ex- uh, can't speak for them but the management of Blaze Pizza seems to have the restaurant functioning as a well-oiled machine. Never had a bad experience there. I was glad to hear you're a fan of No Sleep. I also enjoy browsing them from time to time. Sending along my favorite series, I suggest giving it a read. Uh, Here's another scary thought, albeit not a supernatural one. There are 144 confirmed cases of covid Within a single dormitory at a nearby university. Couldn't imagine the anxiety of living there. I said, Thank you, Josh. No, that the anxiety would be through the roof, you know, if if I were in that dormitory, I well, you're stuck there. You're you know, you are in a literal quarantine, I figure. And I would just it would be that fear knowing that given the spread and the nature of it there's a good chance that I'm going to get it, and then how am I going to get impacted by it, you know? Maybe the chances of dying from it are low, but, you know, there's still that chance, and it'd just be this worry, you know, maybe I'll get asymptomatic, you know, be okay, but what if I'm not? And just so much, it it would would eat me up, you know? Be awful. Uh, Anyway, now the, the series that you recommended to me, Josh, I I have actually read it before, believe it or not, Uh, and I could understand it It is actually a favorite uh, of many individuals, so it was a very big story, uh, very well known, I think it was one of the first No Sleep uh, stories, from my recollection, anyway, maybe not the first, but I mean, it's been there a long time, it was submitted in 2011, and, you know, the subreddit only started getting really big. a couple years ago, but uh, he recommended to me the Pen Pal series by uh, the user uh, Thousand Vultures, and uh, that was one of the most prominent No Sleep stories, and uh, I enjoyed it. You know, there were a few, (laughs) I hate to criticize it so much, I think toward the end, I'm not going to give anything away, I'm not one of those people that's going to, you know, toward the end I thought, I don't know if there were a few plot holes or things that just didn't seem to really go with the flow, but uh, overall, you know, again, from my understanding, and I think I've read it twice, actually, uh, it was still pretty good, it was creepy, well-written overall, and uh, by no means a short story either. Uh, I know there were mixed feelings about the book, because I believe the author, because it became such a popular story, I decided to capitalize off of it. Um, by all means, you know, this is a great opportunity. You know, take it. <laughs> of course, if people want you to make it into a book, then by God, make it into a book. Uh, so we did. And I think the book had mixed feelings. I think some people, you know, were saying that the the book, Pen Pal, because this story on No Sleep was, uh, it was like a five or six or, or a seven part story. Uh, so it got quite long. And then I think that was made into a book, and I think other things were added, too. Uh, But again, overall enjoyable. It's got its twists and turns and, you know, creepy and all of that. But by by all means, it's, uh, it was interesting. I always enjoyed that one. Uh, I always like reading the very, you know, established no-sleep stories. And then I'll always dig around and find some of the more obscure ones as well. But that's the thing. Like one, one thing I try not to do is I try not to discriminate based off of uh, the title. I try not to. Now sometimes I can't help. I find it like, you know, the the title is a silly. But I still try not to. To you know, say oh, it's a bad title, so it's going to be a bad story. I just say put that aside. And I just. But like, for instance, I will look at no sleep right now. What I always do when I browse around there, because sometimes, and it might sound strange, but for a while, for several months, and I still do uh, pretty often, at least on a weekly basis, but it used to be every day. uh, As part of my ritual for kind of trying to get to sleep, uh, I would settle into bed and um, read a couple stories before going to sleep. You know, because to me, they didn't really keep me up. It was just uh, light reading, (laughs) as odd as that might sound. Uh, You know, counterintuitive, this subreddit that's called No Sleep with these uh, scary stories to keep you up at night or something. (laughs) And that was my bedtime reading. And I would, I I kid you not, go through like two or three stories and um, then, uh, you know, hit the hay and uh, go to sleep. But it's nice, so it's always good to do some light reading before you get to sleep, if that's what you want to do. It always helps me, and I still do. But uh, one thing that I always like to do when I look at stories, and I think I've said this before, but this is one of the only subreddits that I really, you know, use anymore. There's a couple. Most of the... I'm not an active Reddit user. I just have a few subreddits that I stick to, and that's all that I usually go with. Um, because again, Reddit can be a very political site. And I am just not all about that. Again, if people want to use it for that purpose, I don't care. Go for it. You know, the site's there for you to use. So it's whatever you want to do. It's just that's not for me. So the subreddits that I just use right now are No nosleep. Um, there's one sometimes for entertainment, uh actual public freakouts, but you know, you're gonna see that's not it's not really stuff for laughs, but it's just kinda well, people really freaking out. It's that's what that is. It's not for everyone. Another subreddit that isn't for everyone is uh a subreddit that's called Win Stupid Prizes. And that's uh named after the phrase, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And what that subreddit is about is uh, people just doing idiotic things and, well, really paying the price for it. So just individuals doing extremely reckless, uh, you know, activities, people doing things that aren't thought out well, and then, well, suffering the consequences you know, for instance, there is this, and again, now this is not something that's, I mean, really, and I say that sincerely, you know, you're going to see people uh, getting hurt. No one killed, but you you will see people injure themselves, because unfortunately, that's what a lot of these things result in. But, you know, to me, I'll, I'll look at it, because it's just, I don't know, it just gives perspective to certain things, and... Just, you know, humanity never ceases to amaze me sometimes. But for instance, I, I was watching it today. There were two videos. There was one, it's called, you know, jumping on a cactus. So what do you think happens there? You know, this guy, he was like this, Um, if you remember the show from the early 2000s, uh, Jackass. This is like some guy, like a wannabe for that. You know, he's, you could tell he's really trying to kind of be like that and he's sitting there there's this giant cactus plant next to him he says i'm gonna jump on this cactus he's only got shorts on so yeah of course he jumps on the cactus plant and immediately regrets it and then yeah, his friends have to pull the things out of his back and back of his legs and yeah, you know, just obviously deeply regretful and then there was another video of uh i saw today of this group of guys, you know, gonna try to do the flaming, the flaming shot, and I've seen so many videos of that that never works out well, so the guy has the shot glass with this flaming liquid that he's gonna drink, I always thought you were supposed to blow it out, and I, I think you are, Um, beforehand, I don't know, it's just, I've seen this happen so many times, and it never, ever works out well, uh, it either involves burning themselves or burning whatever's around them and in this case the guy spared uh, himself of any injury But I guess what happened is he has this shot glass of you know flaming alcohol and he goes to you know pour it down his mouth and I imagine maybe it was just the heat of it or something or the shock it made him kind of flinch a bit and spill it everywhere and drop the shot glass So now you have this flaming stuff all over the counter and the floor and some of it gets on his leg. And then his friends are trying to, who I think are drunk probably, trying to, they think it's a good idea to try to blow out the flames. Now for a tiny, tiny little candle, of course you can acceptably do that. But if the whole countertop is on fire, that's not gonna help at all. Like, you know, you're just feeding it, you're giving it oxygen then they're trying to do that, and then it looks like the fire is spreading, and it's, I, I don't know, I don't, I, I hope he didn't burn down his house, but, you know, that's a good example of doing some stupid things and uh, kind of facing the repercussions. But I don't watch all of them, you know, if it's like, if it's too much, like if there's, usually if the video is really bad, you know, it's, it's appropriately flagged, you know, so it'll say warning, um, injury, um, you know, not safe for work, etc. So and usually you can pretty much tell. Like if some guy, if there's a video of some guy that's going to jump off his roof to try to land in a swimming pool that's surrounded by a concrete patio and the video is posted to this subreddit, then, you know, put two and two together, what do you think is actually going to happen? Do you think because of where this video is, is the guy going to jump off and just flawlessly land in the swimming pool or is he going to (laughs) miss? And maybe that's why it was posted there. So sometimes you can kind of discern from the subject matter what type of video you're looking at. But again, I don't follow that one religiously or anything. It's just there. Aside from that, I just follow the radio and uh, shortwave subreddits. But again, I'm really, I'm not an active participant in any of these. But um, what I was saying is, you know, with the no sleep subreddit, uh, when I browse around, I always just, I always sort the stories by top. And for a while, what I did is I searched it by top, uh, and I sorted it from all time. And I did that because, right, if I I wanted to find the good stories. So I figure the ones that are most highly rated and have the most, um, you know, upvotes, uh, have to be the best ones because you, you had to assemble enough people to think that it's good anyway, but you know, it's hit or miss, like, what I did is I just went through an entire page, you know, of 25 of them, then I would just go to the next page, and then, and I read every single one of them, I think up until like a thousand or so, and I wasn't able to go to any more, uh, pages of it, and I would just keep going and going, and, uh, I'll tell you this, you know, some of the highly rated ones uh, aren't the best. And, you know, you go back, because one of the saddest things is that the way the upvotes work on Reddit now uh, is that, I don't know, somehow they're inflated, and posts from years ago didn't have as many upvotes. So, for instance, when there were fewer people that used the subreddit, let's say back in 2012, and a story from them, from then, I should say, has a thousand upvotes, that is extremely good, because all the other stories on the subreddit maybe only got, you know, 10 or 20. So if a story back then had a thousand, that's really, really... People must have really loved that one. Um, But now, you know, because more people use it, I mean, there's 14 million people subscribed to this subreddit. You can have a mediocre story that'll get, you know, 15,000 upvotes. And as a result, because of that, because more people are there, more people like certain posts, and some of the older ones that I think their quality far, far outweighs anything today, I just got lost in there. I remember there was one story, again, from like a decade ago, it was called like The Showers or something, and it was darn good and it only had a couple hundred upvotes because it's, that's however many people were using the, the, the subreddit back then. So, you know, some of the some of the uh, stories that are highly rated aren't as good as you think, but some of them are. Another thing is pay attention to how old it is. If it's an older story and it has a lot of upvotes, that I would say take that as a very strong indicator of quality. So, you know, if you see a story with a lot of you know, likes, and it's three or more years old, I would say go for that one, because it's, those are some of the best ones I've read, the older ones. Not to say the new ones aren't good, but the older ones just, you know, well, they would stand the test of time. What more can be said? Next email comes in from our listener in Malaysia. Hey, reviewer, I watched the segment of the podcast about the mic, Just wanted to say that it doesn't really matter. Uh, When I really concentrate and listen to what you have to say, both the mics kind of sound the same. But if I had to choose, uh, I would say you should use the new one, but it's okay. Wishing you a good day. Well, thank you for your kind words. And uh, yeah, I'm going with the new one. You know, that's the decision that I made, and and that's just what I'm going to go with. So that's what we have there. Uh, Next up, we have a comment from Hank in Phoenix, Arizona. I discovered your channel over the pandemic, bored one night uh, thinking about getting a pizza, and saw your review of the Chacaroni pizza. As you, I also enjoyed it. I then discovered your podcast as well. I was into shortwave radio when I was younger, and uh, I bought two radios. The first, the Texun uh, R9012, but then I decided to buy a more expensive radio, the Texun PL360, And I really enjoy listening to several channels on there and uh, really enjoy the extended AM bandwidth. Uh, It's nice to get back into the old hobbies as uh, my two hobbies being going to sporting events and concerts uh, don't look to be feasible uh, to attend for the foreseeable future. I recently had hernia surgery and I'm recovering and enjoying listening to your podcasts and shortwave stations. I really enjoy watching and going to sporting events, uh, professional college, men's, women's, it doesn't matter which sport. Uh, I'll watch many times and attend in person. And your podcasts have confirmed my take on things that as long as you're not hurting people, do what you love. Just wanted to say, enjoy the podcasts and radio shows as well as the reviews. Hope you're well and uh, continue to stay safe from Hank over there in uh, Phoenix. So thank you, Hank. It's good to hear from you. And uh, absolutely, you know, that's that's my viewpoint. Look, if you're not hurting anyone, you're not harming anyone, you're not destroying anything or advocating these horrible things upon others, uh, then do what you want to do. You know, do what you want to do as long as it makes you happy. That's, that's my philosophy, right? There's no harm in that. You're exercising your freedom, you're exercising your individuality, and uh, there's nothing more important than that. You know, just be a good person. That's, uh, that's what it comes down to. But, uh, absolutely. I mean, hopefully, you know, with the coronavirus, I mean, I think we all know that this thing is going to be with us for a while, and regardless of one's thoughts on the virus, you know, severity, etc., the effects of it are going to be here for for a while. And, you know, this, as they say, new normal is, uh, you know, it's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. I don't mean to be a pessimist. I think that's just the truth. And that was solidified to me after I was listening to uh, one of the briefings from the uh, World Health Organization saying that, you know, a reasonable vaccine, uh, should one want to, uh, you know, take it, might not come until mid-2021. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's... I So I would take that at least, you know, look at mid-20... Uh, I hate to say it this way because it's like this is the last thing you want to hear but from what they're telling me or at least the impression that I got a lot of 2021 will be similar to this and you know that's discouraging but then I I think well do you really think it would be any different I mean now you have flu season coming up and that's a nightmare for a lot of people the the two to coexist I don't know it's just gonna do what it does, but the one good thing, at least, is that a lot of uh, places are trying to work and find reasonable compromises to kind of have as much normalcy uh, as is reasonably possible, right? Yeah, so they're trying their best to find compromises, and uh, I mean, that's what it comes down to. So far, I mean, I'm still here, I'm still doing good, I don't, have any reason to believe that I've had it yet, Um, you know, but I've certainly managed to avoid getting it at this point in time. So, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, thank you again, Hank. It's uh, it's good to hear from you. Good to hear uh, that you're a shortwave listener as well. I know that people, you know, they say what they will about shortwave, but there are still things to listen to in North America. Uh, Earlier tonight, before I started recording, I made it a point to actually listen to the radio a bit, and uh, I mean, I spent probably like three or four hours just scanning around, and I picked up plenty of good things. Uh, First, I started out the evening, uh, you know, first, very early on, I was listening to this music show on um, 5960 kilohertz uh, called The Mighty KBC, and they play, I think, every weekend... They're out of Europe, and they have a transmitter in Germany. High power, though, you know, it's not one of the low ones. It's, it's 125 kilowatts, so very strong signal. And uh, two hours, they broadcast, I think, you know, oldies, classic rock, but they also take requests, and they have DJs, they have commercials. I mean, they are a full-blown, you know, professional commercial radio station, and their target audience is interesting. Uh, apparently, what they target primarily is long-haul truck drivers, uh, I guess in in remote parts of the United States, which, you know, it's a unique market. But then when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, a lot of truck drivers still have the CB radio uh, in the rig. But, I mean, CB radio is a, you know, CB is a part of the shortwave spectrum. I think that's something that a lot of people don't really know, but CB is, is really, it's, it's shortwave. Uh, the shortwave spectrum goes from, uh, you know, 3,000 kilohertz to uh, 30,000 kilohertz. So anything in that, you know, in between that uh, is shortwave. And CB radio is at 27,000 kilohertz. Uh, you know, so you could listen to truck drivers and stuff on a shortwave radio if it picks up, you know, that frequency. Uh, I do, I, you know, I'll sometimes scan around and I'll be able to hear various truckers and stuff having different uh, discussions and whatever, and there's all these power requirements on it because it's, you know, they don't want, there's only 40 channels and they don't want people interfering with each other, so it's, you know, the FCC has ways to uh, ensure that, but I, I was thinking... You know, since lots of truckers do have those setups, and I imagine maybe not a huge percentage, but given how many truck drivers there are, you know, in the United States and even Canada and Mexico, you know, there certainly wouldn't be a large percentage, but I would imagine a number who also have modifications uh, to their radio and, you know, have things in their truck that could pick up shortwave as well. And I mean, I know that at least a percentage do, because from my own show, I've gotten some reports from uh, truck drivers who are able to pick it up on, you know, while they're on the road. Uh, You know, so even if it's like a fraction of 1%, given the fact that there's so many millions of truckers, it would still ensure, you know, potentially uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands of listeners. Uh, But the mighty KBC, they broadcast specifically targeting Uh, truckers and uh I mean I'll say this they've been broadcasting this show to North America for years now I think probably for I mean maybe even close to uh, a decade maybe not quite but close to it so if they're able to keep it up and sustain it then they're doing something right and obviously people are tuned in so I enjoy it too though and um yeah, they're, they're, so they're good. I started out listening to them. And then a couple hours later, I checked back and I was I, I listened to the voice of Turkey. To uh, North America, and that was coming in good. I was listening to some Turkish music. It was enjoyable. And then I scanned around a bit and I came across this one broadcast, uh, called Radio Free Kashmir, and that's it's a, that's a fairly new uh, station again, targeting, uh, of course, India. And I thought to myself, I gave it a listen, and I thought, you know, given how things are in India, you know, the religious uh, tensions, especially uh, in the Jammu and Kashmir region, uh, I thought the broadcast would probably be a little inflammatory um, because they just started out... Obviously, I think it's a broadcast that supports uh, Pakistan uh, because it was... It started out with these, uh, you know, Quran, um, you know, readings, uh, you know, where they sing it. I know there's a a name for that, and I apologize that I don't know that. But, uh, you know, they, they had some, you know, singing the Quran for a while, for like 20 minutes. And then they actually, it was in English. Uh, there is a, a presenter who was talking about how you know, India, it's uh, colonialism and, how, you know, that it's awful that they occupy. And so obviously they took a very, very strong side and I was thinking to myself, you know, if the signal reaches over there in that part of India, I wonder i wonder what the listeners over there think about it because I, I imagine it's an extremely divisive issue. And I would figure if the signal reaches where it's supposed to, I bet that the station probably has, you know, like a group of very loyal supporters, Uh, and then, you know, some people that probably hate it and don't tune in at all. But uh, after that, then I switched over to The Voice of America, listened to that for a while, for I think an hour at least, and I mean, it was fine. Again, you know, despite what people say about the guy in charge, uh, the program was very balanced. Uh, It was talking about U.S. politics and uh, Joe Biden, and, you know, they had an independent... Um, moderator, and then they had some political analysts that support Trump that were there, and then some that support Biden, and, you know, they just, he let them talk and share their sides of the uh, story, and again, like we talked about news earlier, they did it in a way with uh, dignity, that everyone, despite the different views, was able to sit down and have a round table discussion, Uh, you know, no screaming or finger pointing or acting like wild animals, it was a a very dignified political discussion, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, then I tuned to the BBC a little bit for some news, and uh, then after that I tuned over to uh, WWCR uh, 4840 and listened to uh, The Zeph Report for a little bit, which is a very... <laughs> that show is crazy. That show is crazy, you know? every <laughs> Every conspiracy... In the book, you know, the one guy he talks about, and uh, it's interesting anyway. But that comes on real late night. I mean, that's uh, that's some hardcore stuff right there, and it's not a PG show. I'll tell you that. I mean, you will hear many four-letter words in it. Um, but that's, I think, from three to five a.m. every Saturday night. I guess I'd be Sunday morning, <laughs> but it's entertaining i i you know i listen when i can it's i tune into all sorts of programs but uh, there's still stuff to still stuff to listen to able to occupy a whole night with you know kind of hopping from one station to another i just think some of the limiting factors are uh, you know again some of the complexities of the medium and just man-made interference but if you're able to find a way to listen past that i mean truly you still have the world um, right there at at your radio. I mean, it's still, you know, back in the early 2000s, there was much more, but you still kind of get a taste of that. You could tune into all these different stations on a whim. It just depends on conditions, really. All right, I got sidetracked. You know how it is. I can, uh, hey, can you get me talking about radio and I'll just go off. You know how it is. We've got an email coming in uh, let's check. We'll go over. I just want to find... Here we go. Anthony writes, Hi, V O I've been listening for uh, over a year, mostly on YouTube, and I really enjoy the show. Content that's not politicized or doesn't have an agenda seems extremely rare these days, so much so that uh, there are only unique cases... But anyway, I have a question on human instincts. Most people have an idea of what an instinct is and sometimes say that it's a human instinct to do this or that. But recently I've heard a definition of instinct, a complex behavior that is not learned and cannot be overrode. Do you think humans even have instincts according to this definition? Personally, I don't think so. When people refer to human instincts, oftentimes they are simple reflexes or they are learned or you can prevent the instinct from happening. For example, it's not an instinct to move your hand away after touching something hot, it's a reflex. And you can force yourself to keep your hand there. Likewise, it's not an instinct to fear snakes. It's not even a behavior, but rather an impression that or even intuition. But the actions one takes to avoid a snake are a result of the fear and not a direct, hardwired reaction to seeing a snake. And you can even stay with the snake if you choose to. Best regards, Antony. So thank you, sir, for writing in. Yeah, human instinct. That's certainly an interesting one. Sometimes I think the term is misdirected as more of a figure of speech than the actual instinct itself, perhaps. Now, I think that people do have the, um, you know, have certain instincts. One thing... Well, here's what we have. Okay, and this is just what there is. Now, that's a good question. I mean, you know, the the most popular ideas that instinct does exist. I think that it does. Um, But again, I think maybe it's a term that's just misused, not really by fault of anyone, that's just how society sees it. Um, I think instinct, again, is just a term that's not necessarily something that it really means. But I think one human instinct that maybe I I think that a lot of people have is that of self-preservation. You know, for instance, one thing when it comes down to, uh, let's say situations of, you know, you're at a great height, right? I think it's human instinct, you know, now granted people can jump off a very tall building and, you know, sadly commit suicide, but I think to get to that point, you know, sometimes it just gets very, very tough to even do, and I think sometimes that self-preservation, you know, fear of heights, uh, that might be a legitimate instinct that really does kick in in those circumstances. But even then, you know, obviously people still... But, you know, instinct even, I think, can be overrode, depending. Uh, but looking at Wikipedia here, you know, this again, I'm glad you brought up snakes. Uh, some of the uh, simplest instincts in humans, uh, a very widely debated topic, they say, which I agree, certainly is for a debate, the congenital fear of snakes and spiders uh, found in six-month-old babies. Now, I just wonder, you know, because snakes and spiders, you know, again, like, I can't say I'm the biggest fan of them, but I wouldn't necessarily freak out either, but it's just interesting, like, how would, you know, let's say this group of six-month-old babies, how would they react if, let's say you put a, you know, a frog... Uh, you know, wherever they were, would they freak out too? And then if so, then, you know, you can say, well, they freaked out that, then then is it um, human instinct to be afraid of frogs? I don't think so. I like frogs. I like reptiles. So that's interesting. Uh, it says uh, infant cry is a manifestation of instinct. That's an interesting one. It says the herd instinct is found in human children and chimpanzee cubs, but is absent in young orangutans. And it also says that it believes that squeamishness and disgust is an instinct. That's interesting. I mean, I do think that instincts exist, but again, I think, like you suggested, I think it's just a term that's misused. And that's that's probably one of the biggest issues there, that then, you know, leads to misconceptions, misunderstandings, and Just, again, situations where people just don't really know what the term means. Of course, you know, there are phrases that I've used. I'm guilty of that myself. You can say it's instinct, you know? Instinctual, gutting, instinct, etc. It's not necessarily true, but it's a phrase that gets used. All right, next question comes from uh, Sully in Nebraska. Just finished listening to the nearly five-hour radio podcast on Spotify and I simply cannot comprehend how it goes by so fast. I'm impressed by the way that you're able to transition from one subject to another, and I just wanted to know if you've taken any public speaking classes in high school or college, or did you just get good at talking to an audience through YouTube? Wishing you all the best and have a good day. Well, thank you, Sully, for writing in. I took one public speaking class in college, but that was back in 2015. So, even then, I had already been doing the YouTube, and, you know, I did, I did, I did nicely in the class, but I will tell you this, now, I think, largely, you know, the way I can just kind of ramble on for such extended periods of time is really just through practice with the YouTube and, and these podcasts. I think that's just why I'm able to do what I, what I can. Um, But it's not necessarily because of any sort of training, you know, in school. Um, Because again, you know, having... When I took that class, I'd already been doing the YouTube continuously um, for four years. Or more, probably four and a half. And I had already done the radio show on the shortwave for the greater part of that year. And the uh, VORW you know podcast close to two but I'll tell you this just because I can sit here and talk for a while and do these videos does not mean that I am able to you know give a discussion or presentation or whatever in public in front of other people without anxiety Uh, because you better believe I still get stage fright I still get Uh, anxiety. It's a huge difference when you're, you know, able to do something just in front of a camera or with a microphone in your hand in an empty room uh, versus being able to stand on a stage and talk in front of a large number of people. I remember for the public speaking class that I took, the class size was pretty small. It was maybe 20 students, you know, it wasn't large. But you better believe, you know, when I would have to go up and give a presentation, I would be terrified, But especially beforehand. When I was up there, I'd try to just block it out and just do what I've got to do. But, you know, you better believe in the hour or so preceding it, my heart would be racing, you know, I'd have the adrenaline going, I'd be shaky, and just very scared. Even though it's something that I've done so often, it's just... It's a big difference for me when you physically see the audience right there. And, you know, you feel all the eyes kind of watching you. I imagine if I were as silly... (laughs) so silly an instance that it might be if I were somehow to do the next review on some sort of stage in like a stadium and let's say you had a hundred thousand people there that I could see just watching what I'm doing you wouldn't believe I would be such a wreck beforehand I don't even think I would be able to do it I probably wouldn't be able to keep it together be terrifying it would be absolutely harrowing. I don't I'm, I, I don't think I'd be able to keep it together. I'd be just too scared. So it's a big difference between being able to see the audience versus not, at least for me. When I can see the audience, it always gets a lot more scary. That's just how it is in my opinion. But I mean, I think that there are cases where it's probably the opposite. Everyone's different, but I bet you get some people that do a better job when they can see who they're talking to. And you know, for instance in this case, they might not be able to walk around with a microphone and just, you know, talk to an empty room, because they would want to see their listeners. And they can't do that and that'll just make it tougher. So I mean everyone's different, you know. Thanks again. Next email comes from Tristan. Hello there. I've been listening to your talk since late twenty nineteen. And tuning into your shows has quickly become one of my favorite pastimes. Thank you so much for all the wonderful, thoughtful content. Uh, to interject, and thank you for your kind words and uh, for being a listener um, pretty much this whole year through. So thank you, Tristan. Anyway, you continue. If you don't mind me asking, I was wondering if you have ever experimented with meditation. And if so, what has been your experience? Uh, I have been trying to implement simple breathing meditation practice into my life. And so far, I do find it rather calming. But it has also shown me just how frantic my mind is. Keeping focus on the breath for just a few short inhales and exhales in the present moment is extremely challenging. The real beneficial insight that I am starting to develop from this practice, however, is witnessing firsthand just how fleeting the thoughts and emotions of the mind are. The practice really reveals to you uh, all the stuff that we build up in our heads which causes us so much grief and turmoil are only just waves in an ocean. Meditation, to me, seems to be the key to calming the seas of our mind. It would seem that once our mind is calm, the conventional abstractions uh, which our brains create to define things such as you and me... Begin to settle down for a moment, revealing the interdependencies that connect literally everything in the existence. To continue with the nautical theme, we begin to see that we are all indeed waves of the same ocean. Anyway, just my two cents on uh, benefits of meditation. Sorry for the rambling. Take care and be well, Tristan. Thanks, Tristan. I appreciate the email and for your kind words there. And I have tried some meditation. Uh, the one that I've actually used the most is actually the very same one I think that you do. Um, it might've been the, uh, well, let's look. I know the one where you hold it is the longest and, and there's the four, seven, eight one possibly. Might've been, might've been a different one, but you know, where it's you inhale for a few seconds then you hold your breath and then you exhale. What I would always do is I would breathe through my nose, hold it, and then exhale through my mouth. And I would do it for a while. I mean, there would be times where I would do it for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And the one thing, again, like that's to me the toughest part, was being able to focus only on the breathing. Being able to count the seconds and all of that and just stay in that state of relaxation. But I remember what was always the best part is after everything was said and done you know just how relaxed and calm uh, you'd be by the end of it and that's truly an experience you know it's by no means life-changing but i think i think it affects different people it's like in your case it has led to i i would wager probably some introspection and you know just looking at your own thoughts you know how your mind is again, how a lot of the things that might cause, you know, undue worries and anxieties are really just these fleeting, passing thoughts that should really hold no merit. I think it's allowed you to see, I suppose, a bigger picture of things, and it's really helped. Now, there will be people who will do it and will just say, well, I just wasted 15 minutes, you know, it didn't do anything for me. So, your mileage may vary. Uh, I think it might be similar to how ASMR can be in that it can work like a miracle for some and do nothing for others. But it's such a simple, simple technique. Anyone could do it. Really, anyone can do it. Unless there's any you know, a debilitating medical condition that affects breathing, right? It's, but for most people, I think you can do it without issue anytime, anywhere. So oh, I've done it and it's just, it's helped relax and it's a good way to get your mind off of some of the persistent worries that can plague you. Uh, so absolutely, no, I've tried it and yeah, just it's, it's very calming, very relaxing and it can just give your mind a nice, a nice break from how hectic and chaotic things can so often be. So thank you for bringing that up certainly an advocate, I am, of it, and uh, if anyone is, is, is interested, I mean, give it a try. Again, it might not work for you, but there's a chance it might, and it might help. Such a simple thing, too, you know, it's, it's nothing to discount. I, I say give it a shot if you want to. Okay, and the mailbag continues. Next email up comes in uh, from erias Greetings from Las Vegas, Nevada. Wanted to ask you a question regarding some of the content both on the main channel and the second. Have you ever thought about diversifying it? For example, I could see you doing movie reviews, show reviews, or something, uh, or for something more original, book reviews. I think overall, some people come to your channel for your personality rather than the food reviews. I do enjoy them. Uh, I think there would be some merit... making broader content another example I personally uh, have great interest in uh, your day-to-day life and things you experience largely uh, to the information provided through your podcasts I think a vlogging series or videos uh, would be of great interest to your audience anyway I hope this email finds you well sincerely Arias so thank you for your suggestion now that's something that I have thought of here's my worry I, you know, I know that a lot of people say that, you know, some individuals are more interested in me as opposed to the food reviews, but I I sometimes feel that the percentage of people that that may hold true to, uh, I I don't know if over-exaggerated is the word, but I think is overestimated because I hate to say it, you know, and it's the, it's, I don't know if I should say demoralizing because personally it would be great to make different types of videos. Um but whenever I do they never do as well as the food reviews. Uh, and of course again with the channel being what I need to do, you know, to pay the bills and uh, you know have a roof over my head, you sadly have to do uh what people want to see. And uh, when I switch it up a bit, it never really does as well. I mean, you know, for instance, uh, you know, going back to, it doesn't mean the interest isn't there, it just means it's a lot less than I think what people might assume it to be. People just don't want to see it. You know, for instance, uh, I did three videos in January when I was uh, dealing with the dental surgery that, you know, I couldn't do the food reviews, so I kind of had to do something different. Uh, I did one video called uh, <laughs> Jello, How Are You? It was just, I was talking for 13 minutes, just hanging out. Uh That got 100,000 views. Uh You know, reviewing my oral surgery, again, just talking about the experience, 140,000 views. And how I'm dealing with bad dental work got 275,000 views. So all of those three videos were non-food uh, related. And while they did good... Two videos I did recently, you know, uh, during that same time uh, where I tried Burger King's Cheddar Bacon King and Taco Bell's Reaper Ranch Taco got 343,000 views and 316,000 views, respectively. You know, more people care about the food than anything else. Same thing, like, I did the talk video about the Jello. Next video I did was about some Coca-Cola energy drink that got twice as many views. Uh, So what do people want to see? They don't wanna see uh, me talking about something. that's why I don't really do that stuff. Uh, Again, you know, I go uh, to a more recent example from uh, April, managing uh, surreal circumstances, whatever the name was. I was talking about the COVID situation, 95,000 views. Video before that about some Little Caesars pizza, 286,000. Video after that, uh, Flamin' Hot Tacos, 250,000. You know? The uh, the one video where I regret cutting my own hair, that did well because of the thumbnail uh, and the title, but again, that those types of videos you can't do too often. Uh, but again, you know, the reacting to weird comments video, even though that did good, 258,000 views, the Papa John's Pizza I reviewed right after it got 500,000 views and uh, yeah it's disappointing you know of course I don't like being lumped into food exclusively but if I didn't do that I think the channel would die and uh you know what can you do so it's like you kind of have to do it and be grateful though that at least people who watch something um, but, you know, there's just nothing that I can do. So what I, I always try to balance it out and say, well, I'll do a random video here and there, very rarely, because maybe how infrequent they are, maybe that'll also help a little bit, you know, to kind of have a little more interest. But again, sadly, and, and maybe I'm dead wrong, uh, this is just how I see it, but I just think the views and, the uh, difference thereof, uh, just reflects what people really want to see in terms of the channel. And, and, you know, that's just how I feel. But again, I might be dead wrong. Uh, I know sometimes, you know, despite the videos being me, and uh, despite it being my channel, sometimes maybe having that outside uh, point of view can be more insightful in in some ways. And you can see things that I just can't. So that's just why I don't diversify uh, as much. But, you know, I'll do a random... The next random video I'm going to do is going to be the two million... Uh, a subscriber video I still haven't forgotten that and I'm going to do it and I know that the individuals who are sincere will will watch it and it's just going to be fun it's just going to be to thank everyone and uh, you know it'll be it'll be good I'm just waiting right now before I do that I'm waiting again for the big Travis Scott thing for the 8th get that done and then after that I think I'm going to do the 2 million uh, blowout and have some fun with that So I try to balance it out, and I'll do some here and there. You know, again, I wish I could do more, but that's another reason why we have this channel. So, you know, I'm more of a radio type person anyway, so that's why I'm able to kind of sit here and, you know, mess around for however many hours. And uh, I'm amazed that as many people check it out as as they do. Um, But thank you again for your suggestion. Okay, Uh, next email comes in... From Sarah, just a short note says, uh, "Hope everything goes well at the endodontist today. Glad you're one step closer to uh, having this all taken care of. Take care of yourself. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, no, the, the endodontist went over fantastic. It was a very smooth experience. You know, it was the full blown. It was the full. Bl- it was the full deal. But root canals aren't as bad as you'd think. Even the full blown one. I mean, they gave me so much stuff to help with the pain." no narcotics or anything, but, you know, the shots, and, and, you know, believe it or not, one misconception, and I think a lot of people know this, but I see this so often, and I didn't even know this, but, you know, everyone, when it talks, okay, like, let let me ask this question, when you go to the dentist, and you're getting, let's say, a cavity filled, or a tooth, um, worked on, and, you know, they give you the shot of the numbing medicine in your mouth, Right, what is that called? Uh, I think everyone will say novocaine, right? But believe it or not, uh novocaine is almost not even not even used anymore. Almost no one uses it. Actually lidocaine is what's used at this point in time. And and what I always like doing whenever I go to the dentist, I I did this at the endodontist and I do this at the regular dentist, I like reading up on the procedures and I I ask them, you know, questions just out of, out of curiosity, because I just, I enjoy it, I try to learn whatever I can. Yeah, what, what they do is they, uh, they use the lidocaine, largely, but when I went to the endodontist, anyway, they gave me so many shots of that around the tooth, and then when the tooth was drilled open, you know, they give a shot directly into the nerve, and you cannot feel a single thing, and then they also gave me, I think, four um, pills of, uh, I think, ibuprofen to take also, and Oh, believe me, I could not feel a single thing. It was such a smooth procedure. Uh, so yeah, it went over, went over very nicely. And what amazed me, you know, to make sure everything was on the same page, the endodontist, you know, had a special camera and took pictures of the tooth to send to my dentist so that, again, everyone's on the same page. And, you know, at the end of the procedure, I he asked, you know, he asked me, do you want to see the pictures of the tooth? I said, sure, let's see them. And it's amazing, you know, to see your own tooth drilled open like that and see the roots and the nerve and everything. And then you look at the finished product and it's like, I cannot believe they're able to do this to the tooth and not have it fall apart. I mean, just a consummate professional. That's all that I could really say. But that went over very, very smoothly, very nicely. And, uh, that's it. That's what we've got. It's just, it was nice. It's very nice. Um, we've got... An email coming in from a listener who goes by the name MD. Uh, He's been a very long-time viewer and and listener. I know that for a fact. So it's great to hear from you. Uh, He writes, Dear Lecturer, I don't know if you have any in with YouTube. A week or two ago, they stopped email notifications, which I was using along with Gmail, another fine Google product, to keep on top of new videos and keep track of what I've watched. Now it's all through the notifications menu inside of YouTube itself. Uh, which is not a great way to manage these things. If you have any ear in the YouTube food chain and would like to pass on, some of my viewers are unhappy with the discontinued email notifications, I would appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Keep being awesome. Uh, Thank you, sir, for writing in. I would not say I have any sort of pull or or influence with YouTube at all. Uh, I do talk to them from time to time. And uh, I, I will, you know... I'll tell you this i I don't think it's gonna change anything, um but I'm gonna honor your email and this week I'm gonna get on the phone with youtube uh, and I'm gonna talk to them just about how the channel's doing and everything uh but I'm gonna mention that word for word and i'm gonna I'm gonna let them know that uh, some viewers are frustrated with the discontinuation of email notifications and uh, so you can count on the fact that I will tell someone. You know who works for youtube directly i will tell them that i don't think it's going to change anything and please understand that but uh, i will certainly honor your your email i know a lot of people are frustrated with that so even though that's not anything that i use i'll certainly let them know that i've I've seen a few um viewers who have been upset by that so uh, i'll pass it along absolutely so uh, thank you for writing in all right the next email that we've got uh comes in from joel who writes, Hey there, I recently found your podcast on iHeartRadio. I wanted to get your opinion on some shortwave radio issues. Uh, As part of your broadcast, you frequently mention radio, shortwave included, as a good way to get info when normal sources are down, uh, as in a blackout. As a bit of disaster prepper myself, I totally agree. With the U.S. power grid being as fragile as it is, whether to natural disaster or enemy attack uh, such as an emp would you say it's wise to purchase an older vacuum tube unit uh, that's resistant to such attack or are modern radios so far superior in reception that it's just better to get a new one and maybe store it where it's safe Uh, maybe some sort of small faraday cage i don't want to come off as a nut but these are things that i think about Also, I was glad to hear that a a traditional on-the-dial AM station also has your show. A great accomplishment. And I think given your varied subject matter and radio demeanor, you could be the next coast-to-coast AM. Congrats on that. Uh, Lastly, would you ever consider running a show that takes callers? Wishing you the best on your dental adventures. From Joel. Thank you. Thank you for your question and for your compliments as well. Uh, Number one. Uh, No, I do understand your concerns uh, in terms of an EMP, uh, right? Because obviously uh, an EMP attack, it would cripple the country. It would cripple (laughs) any—it would be terrible. Uh, So I would say that is a legitimate concern. Uh, So in regards to an EMP, again, of course, that's actually a concern that I've heard before. Uh, You know, the debate between the newer radios, just put them in like a Faraday cage— Uh, and store them that way again versus the older vacuum tube uh, units. Now here's what I would have to say a lot of people would recommend the older vacuum tube radios um, but personally I would recommend a newer one and again store it in more of a Faraday cage device. Now here's just my logic and, and rationale. The vacuum tube radios you know, are reliable. Some people, you know, they call them old reliable because some of these radios have been around since the 1940s and 50s and still work. I think the biggest issue is that if you want to talk about a total uh, grid failure scenario and a situation where there is an EMP attack and you have a vacuum tube radio, uh, just the two issues that come to mind. Number one, the issue with portability. Uh, Most of the tube shortwave radios, you can't really have on the go. You just have to have it in one specific location, and that's it. So, unfortunately, the older tube radios, it it takes a lot of portability um, out of it, which is, you know, which is very difficult, then, if you're trying to be... Let's say you're off the grid, you're camping, whatever, you're camped out, you're constantly on the move... Uh, having to haul this big radio around will, will be impractical. Uh, so that's an issue. A second concern in regards to the older tube radios uh, is the issue of spare parts. Again, if you're in a situation where a lot of society has has collapsed or there are just these issues with um, transportation, etc., and the radio breaks and you need a spare part, again, especially for these older models, Uh, it might be very difficult to get your hands on one, uh, if at all. So that's an issue. Uh, I mean, if you want to go that route, again, I'm not going to discourage you. Uh, But personally, I would recommend getting a newer radio. Uh, Some of them are still made very well, but they're portable, they're durable, uh, and they're effective. Uh, One thing that I've seen people that like about the newer radios compared to the older ones is that the newer ones? You know, have this digital tuning display, so you can tell exactly what frequency you're on. Uh, so, for instance, you know, if you know that there's going to be an emergency broadcast on the frequency of, uh, you know, let let's just say uh, six zero eight zero kilohertz, you can go exactly to that frequency on a newer radio, and you know, on your you know, you're on the right frequency. With the older ones you have to kind of turn the dial and you have to eyeball it and and there's nothing wrong with that it's just for more immediate um, and easier tuning the newer ones with the digital display uh, do a good job and an effective job at that Uh, of course also you know again I think spare parts would be easier to come by and uh, just power etc would be be much easier you can just keep it in your pocket or your backpack and uh, move it from one place to another and it's you know, it's great. A lot of people do say that, you know, the newer radios do work just as good as the older ones. So that's just my case for getting a newer one uh, with that in mind. But in the end, you know, just do your own research and, uh, you know, see what you find that would, you know, best suit your circumstance. But that that's just how I feel. Uh, secondly, you wrote, um, would you ever consider running a show that takes callers? Maybe one day I'll establish a phone line and... um you know, maybe some of the radio broadcasts that go out over the air, I might take some callers at some point. One thing that I did for a while last year, and maybe for the heck of it, like on a one-off type of thing, I'll bring it back, is uh, for some of the shows that I did, because I actually, for the I, I, I relayed this um, broadcast last week on the AM on 540 over in uh, Utah, and it was well-received. Uh, some listeners over there wrote in, and they liked it. Uh, where I took a show that I did last year and I rebroadcast it with a little bit of a new intro. Um, About a year ago, I did a show about Bigfoot. And it's still a topic that interests me. I always like all those cryptid-type creatures. But I did a show about Bigfoot, and it was very interactive, where what I had is I had listener emails. But I also gave listeners the option, instead of, you know, typing out their thoughts... They also could take a microphone and record their own views and send the audio file to me, and I would include that in the broadcast, too. And for those types of shows, I think that went over uh, very well. I think it was very successful, and I really liked it. I was kind of listening to to that older show, and I was just thinking, you know, it was a lot of fun, and it's a big change-up, of course, from what we do now. But again, maybe that's something that, you know, if there's a good topic, maybe I'll just do that as like a separate show, just a one-off thing for like an hour. Um, Because it was, at least to me, fun to hear different listeners kind of verbalize their their points. I think sometimes, at least for me, you can uh, go ahead and you can say a lot more when you're verbalizing it than you can when writing. I think when you write, you can choose your words carefully and maybe say things more succinctly but when you speak, you can get into more details that perhaps you can't necessarily jot down. So I don't know. I mean, I personally liked that. And then you might say, if you liked it, then why did you stop doing it? Because a lot of the listeners didn't like it. Uh, A lot of people, I I don't know, sometimes I think it's a bit boring, but people say, you know, I only want to hear you talk and I don't want to hear anyone else's voice. So that doesn't make much sense to me, but I, I, I respect if that's what the majority of people want, you know, I'll respect that. Um, but that's what that, um, came down to. But again, you know, like, as a one-off show, I don't think for this, you know, long-extended droning-on program, I would necessarily ever, ever include the listener excerpts again, because a lot of people use this to fall asleep, and I don't want to wake anyone up. But, like, for a separate show, maybe I'll do that again, because it was fun for me, and it's just it's something that isn't for everyone and you know i accept that so thank you for writing in next email we've got comes in from kyle writing in from lawrence kansas since the beginning of covid and quarantine measures i've been doing a deep dive into music a lot of 60s and 70s but open to anything and i heard you mention listening to music a few times on the last couple of podcasts and was Wondering what it is that you like to listen to. Hope all is well and keep up the good work from Kyle. Now, thanks, Kyle. I think I've talked about this uh, many times before, um, but I'll certainly mention it in brief. In brief, once again, in terms of music, again, I'm really open to anything, uh, but largely I listen to, I mean, right now I listen to a lot of classic rock. So 60s... Uh, 70s, even 80s. I'll listen to um, alternative rock, especially from the 90s and 2000s. I listen to grunge. I listen to post-grunge, especially post-grunge from the late 90s and early mid-2000s. I listen to indie rock, even from the 2010s. And on occasion, I'll balance things out with other genres as well, so, you know, I'll listen to jazz, I'll listen to big band music, though that's not often. Uh, on occasion, classical, but again, that is not that often. Uh, but other genres, too, I'll, I'll go into. I've listened to the occasional country song, but I'm not a big fan of that genre. Uh, I'll listen to contemporary Christian music. I'll listen to even, you know, your generic pop stuff. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I'm really just, I'll i will give any song a try. Uh, one thing that really helps diversify that is the radio show that I do, uh, I'll sometimes take listener music requests. And, you know, when I do that, you hear so many different songs, you know, of of all kinds that get requested to you. And it's always funny, I go through each one, even if I can't play it on the air, I go through each song, I'll listen to it, and, you know, you just get exposed to so many different genres because I don't tell listeners I only want this. And I, I say any genre, any era, uh, as long as it's radio appropriate, I'll play it. And you just get everything. And so many songs, you know, that I've never heard before you get exposed to. And I've, I've found so much good music from that. And, you know, from there, I try my very best to share that with listeners all around the world. So thank you, Kyle, for your question. I have an email coming in from Ethan in Connecticut. It's been a while since I last wrote in, so let me assure you that I've listened to each and every podcast since my last email. Although I'm sure you already know from the numerous times I've said it before, I'd like to reiterate once again how much I enjoy the several hour-long shows and the miscellaneous talk therein. Not much more to add, but I wish you good health and happiness in this strange time we're living in. Well, thanks, Ethan. It's always great to hear from you. You're a regular listener, and uh, it's always, it's it's great to hear from you. I'm glad you're still, you're still around, still tuned in. And uh, it's much appreciated. So thank you for your kind words, Ethan. Uh, it's good to hear from you. We also have an email coming in from L and Smokey in California. It said, uh, Dear VORW, what a nice treat. We got nearly five hours of a show. Look, we're on lockdown. Times are hard, uh, but you bring joy when times are a bit bleak. Uh, sad about the old-fashioned mic, but that's okay. We like hearing your voice, so do what you gotta do. Praying and sending positive vibes for the tooth. Please keep us updated, and keep being you. So uh, thank you, Elle and Smokey over there in California. It's good to hear from you guys, and uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the lo- of the long show. And yeah, with the microphone, again, you know, people... There were some mixed views, but enough people seemed okay with the newer one, that uh, that's just what we're going to use from now on, and, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think it'll be okay in the end. So thank you for your correspondence. Going over to France, we hear from, uh, I believe, Vuk, that's V-U-K, Vuk, uh, writing in and just says, hello, John, I'm a listener from France who enjoys your VORW talks very much, and to be honest, I enjoy them way more than the food reviews. I mostly listen to them on my Telephones podcast app. I have a question to submit to your appreciation. Uh, You mentioned in one of the previous talks uh, ties and how you like to wear them with wing collars. I do match them uh, sometimes, uh, even though I have a uh, theoretic and aesthetic preference for imperial collars. Um, My question, and actually to interject, uh, the imperial collar shirts are nice too, actually. They I like them both. I like the wing collars, but the imperial collar, for those of you that don't know, those are the collars that just stand straight up. You know, the wing collar is mostly upright with the two you know, points in the front that are folded over. Uh, An imperial collar is where the collar is completely vertical, uh, upright the entire way around, and there's nothing folded over in the front. And an example of that, and if you, again, if you look at pictures of people from the early 1900s, late 1800s, you will see uh, individuals dressed like that with those types of shirts. Um, a recent review I actually wore the imperial collar in, if you're curious, is uh, you can go onto the YouTube channel. Well, two videos. Number one, the uh, I React to Mean Comments video from a couple years ago. Uh, has an imperial collar in it. But another video that also has one in it uh, was a recent review that I did for uh, Wendy's uh, Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich. And uh, I like the way that looks. I don't know, I just like the collar totally upright like that. Uh, Some people think, you know, that I just popped the, the shirt collar like that, but it's actually a detachable collar that, you know, you have a little stud that you fasten in the front and then one in the back, and you attach it to the shirt. And it's very stiff, but I I just like the way that it looks. Um, But absolutely, I I like them both. (laughs) So anyway, continuing on with the email, though, you say, "Uh, my question pertains to another piece of clothing, high-waist trousers. Low-waist trousers are one of those things I cannot play the devil's advocate for. Uh, People often insist on how modernity has made things, especially clothes, more practical, I'm still waiting for someone to explain to me how on earth low-waist trousers are practical. On the other hand, high-waist trousers keep shirts tucked in, feel much more natural to wear, and are more classy in my opinion. Uh, I even feel I improve my posture while wearing them. Do you have any opinion on the matter? Keep up the good work. So thank you for writing in. I agree with you. While people can wear what they want, I am a strong advocate for high waists. Um, trousers. That's actually all that I own. I don't even own a single pair of low-waist um, trousers. That I don't even. I do not wear those. Um, all of the pants that I wear are all very similar in that they are high-waist. They are pleated. They're, uh, you know, creased, and wide leg. Because for me, w- when I wear things, despite the antiqu- antiquated style, I find it comfortable. You know i find it incredibly comfortable and uh, to me i've just always found uh, the high waist pants uh, again just to be much more comfortable and absolutely it does keep the uh, shirts tucked in better you never have an issue with the shirt becoming untucked really and uh, again i think it's more comfortable i think it's more formal and professional and you know again i think i mean personally i always think that the high waist trousers look better with pleats that's just my you know my dated opinion uh, whereas perhaps low waist trousers do look better flat front and that's just my viewpoint um but yeah that's that's all that i wear people can wear what they want but me personally i am a strong advocate of the high waist trousers again that's all that i wear some people might make fun of me for saying that they'll say oh yeah you you dress like uh, like my grandpa Absolutely. Yeah, you better believe I do. Uh, of course, and that's just the way that I want to look. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not hurting anyone by doing that. And I don't really care what you want to wear. It's I just wear what I wear. So uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, and that, that's my opinion on the matter. Uh, I th- I think I think very very similar views there. Uh, I I like it. I like the way that it looks. I just that's all that I wear. So uh that's where that stands. Any feedback, once again, is welcome at V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to write in. All right, well, I think we're getting, uh, to around that time where we're going to end the broadcast soon. How about this? We will read two or three more emails, and then that'll be it for the show. But remember, we will have that other one coming up soon, the, uh, COVID-19 special that uh, I imagine when I record the beginning of this, I'll talk about then. But anyway, let's just get into a few more emails. Like I said, maybe two or three more. All right, well, this one is pretty short, so we might actually be able to get to more. Mikey in East Texas writes, I hope this email finds you in good health, body, and mind. I just started listening. Uh, They get me through the menial work that I do day-to-day, and your perspective is always intriguing to me. My question is, have you ever thought of making your own transmitter and tower for the shortwave? I'm sorry if this is a stupid question, I've only just started researching the subject, the price to broadcast on major stations must be a lot, and was wondering if the idea ever came through your head. Thanks for the time from Mikey in East Texas. So while the price for airtime does add up, uh, believe it or not, the price to actually have my own transmitter and do operations out of here, if I wanted to go the legal route, uh, would be way more than any cost of airtime uh, that, you know, I could ever conceive, believe it or not. Uh, Transmitters are not cheap. And sometimes I wonder how these stations that sell the airtime manage to make a profit, because, like, if you ever want, I mean, look up WRMI. They're the uh, main shortwave station I use down in uh, Okeechobee, Florida. Or you could look up WWCR in Nashville, and just look at the setups that they have. I mean, WRMI, they have this giant field. I mean, it's like a mile of land. And there's probably 30 I mean 30 giant antennas there that are you know 200 feet tall it's an insane setup and you know it amazes me that I'm able to broadcast my show with a hundred thousand watts that's twice the power of the uh, strongest am station in the u.s from these giant antennas you know for the costs that I do And while it might be a lot, when you see all the effort that goes into that, it's like, I can't believe this is actually happening, you know, Uh, same thing with uh, WWCR, the big antennas and transmitters that they have, and uh, WNQM, you know, the AM station in Nashville, uh, that's five AM towers right there all lined up, a very, very strong directional signal on Nashville. I was actually talking the other day. I was on the phone for a couple hours um, with the manager of WWCR, Shortwave, and he also manages the AM station, AM uh, 1300. That's the uh, 3 AM broadcast that I do. And uh, he's a great guy. I, I, I email back and forth with him, and uh, I thought, eh, let's talk on the phone for a while, you know? And I was able to have a great, friendly conversation with him. And uh, we were talking about the coverage for am 1300 and he was saying yeah you know the you know it, it's on the 5am towers and it gets a very strong signal into nashville and um it just it just makes me think you know i can't believe all these resources you know go into this it's it amazes me from the technical side of things Um, but despite the cost of airtime, if i wanted to go the legal route the price is exceptionally high because, see, here's how the FCC works. Number one, I have to get a license. And it's not as easy as just getting a ham radio license. I have to apply to the FCC for a commercial broadcasting license, just as you would to apply to a, uh, as a license for an AM or FM radio station. Now, that process in and of itself, fees, paperwork... Legal, you name it, is thousands of dollars. In order to even be considered to be accepted by the FCC, and I would broadcast in AM mode, because that's what most shortwave radios would um broadcast with, or, or would I mean pick up my apologies, uh, most shortwave radios receive AM broadcast. The FCC requires the transmitter be at least fifty thousand watts. Or stronger and a brand new 50 kilowatt transmitter uh, would be probably I mean with no exaggeration in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and if I were running my own station I would not just settle for 50,000 watts if I had the ability to because you have to account for the fact that while a 50 kilowatt transmitter can get a strong signal out, the issue is that it's 2020 and there's a lot more interference than there were decades ago. I want a transmitter that could overcome the interference from computers and from televisions and phone chargers and all this stuff. And I would like my station to be heard um, you know, ideally on a radio sitting directly next to a computer, indoors, you know, in the middle of a city. I want a signal that can penetrate all the noise. So as a result, that would require, at the very least, doubling the transmitter power to 100,000 watts, and maybe even more. I mean, if I had the ability I would go for at least 250,000 watts, maybe 300, maybe even 500,000 watts. Uh, I would not hold back in terms of power. Whatever the maximum I could afford would be, that's what I would go with. But when you start getting to that, now you're talking millions of dollars. Then you have to go ahead and you have to establish the antenna, which has to also have certain specificities Uh, at least tens of thousands more maybe hundreds of thousands Uh, I know the big 500 kilowatt station in Maine that was just established one single part for the antenna was seventy thousand dollars so that goes to show the costs that go into this Uh, then I would have to set up uh, the various licensing fees the studio equipment um, monthly payments, you name it, electric bills. And electric bills would, again, probably end up being uh, at least in the five-figure range. Uh, I mean, it might be paying 30000 40000 a month in that. Uh, so, you know, you're talking this money pit of <laughs> millions of dollars. And then how many listeners will you be reaching? So I think to myself, number one, I haven't any of the financial resources to do any of that. And secondly, what's the point when for a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a cost, I can buy an hour of airtime from a station that already has everything, you know, which is easier. So that's why I don't have my own setup on the shortwave. When it comes down to doing anything else, like setting up a pirate transmitter, and then that would be a lot cheaper. But I would never take that risk. Because one of the biggest rules of pirate radio is that you don't let anyone know who you are. You can be anonymous, but you don't let anyone know who you are, um, because you never know if the FCC is watching you. And the problem with that is that, okay, if there's this station that pops up, and the FCC tracks it down to Florida, and all it does is broadcast my shows, and there I am, and you could see the transmitter in the background, and they, you know, send a car over, and they see this antenna right where I am. Yet yeah, it's going to be obvious that that's me doing it. And I would get caught, and I would get busted, and I would get fined. And uh, that's not good. I want to, you know, I want to be a good law-abiding citizen. And I don't want to do that, because again, why go through all that trouble and risk the repercussions when I can just buy an hour of (laughs) airtime? So that's just what it comes down to, um, and why I I do what I do. It's not cheap, but I think it's better than any alternatives. Next email, a short one, comes in from Red, who just has a suggestion. Um, This is his suggestion. He just says, I used to have brittle teeth with translucent enamel that chipped easily and I found an interesting book on tooth care by Dr. Ellie and it's called Kiss Your Dentist Goodbye A Do-It-Yourself Mouth Care System for Healthy Clean Gums and Teeth and um it's available on Amazon it's written by Dr. Ellie Phillips and he anyway he recommends that book and he says um Ten years ago, I started doing the following. Number one, dissolve a quarter teaspoon of xylitol sweetener in my mouth after eating to um, repel cavity-causing bacteria. Number two, after dinner, I swish a third cap of Closy's Ultra Sensitive Brush with Crest Regular Paste, Floss, swish with Oral Listerine for 30 seconds, and then swish with Act Mint Fluoride mouthwash for 30 seconds. Number three, I avoid crunchy food like tortilla chips or chop them up to reduce the risk of tooth breakage. Number four, I get a dental cleaning every six months. After a year, I noticed some ivory spots on my enamel and after two years, my enamel became opaque and looked much better. This routine is tedious, but I haven't chipped another tooth, and it's much cheaper than fixing a broken tooth. Smiles from Red. So thank you um, for your your, your recommendation. Uh, Interesting to see your routine, and I'm going to have to check out the uh, book that you recommended as well. Next uh, email comes in from an anonymous listener who writes, I understand that you're interested in the paranormal, so I thought maybe I would share my story with you. Oh, absolutely, I am. It's a fascinating subject. Uh, You continue. "I I couldn't have been anything other than seven or eight. My brother is six years my senior, so I imagine he was 13 or 14 at the time. He was chasing me around the house, so we were just playing, and as I ran from him, I found myself at the entrance of the basement. We lived, actually, in one of the oldest towns in the United States from what I understand, Bristol, Pennsylvania. As I looked down the basement steps into the darkness, I saw what was an outline of someone hanging from a noose. That's just what I saw. No details, but just an outline. Come to find out when I was a little bit older, my grandfather hung himself on that very property. I did have a very creative imagination as my dad got me into horror movies at a very early age, but I wasn't exactly visualizing people hanging every day. This is a one-time thing, and it turned out to be relevant to something that actually did happen on that very property. Bristol, Pennsylvania actually has quite the haunted history, whether it be ghosts who dwell at King George Inn, or the spirits who lurked in the attic of Charlie Carp's pub and restaurant. That's my two cents on the matter, Report of the week, keep pumping out the quality content and all the best to you and your family. Well, thank you for your kind words and uh, sharing your experience as well. What's really interesting to me when I hear your experience is the fact that, I mean, number one, obviously, again, you were were young, you were just a kid. And, you know, that's obviously a very serious thing to see, uh, especially at such a young age. And like you said, you you might've been imaginative, but you weren't actively going around imagining these sorts of sights. So what's really interesting to me is that you mention, of course, the sad history with your grandfather on that property, uh, and then the fact that you saw what you saw at almost that same location. You know, it's just interesting. Could it have been just a trick of the eye? That's possible. Uh, but I mean who's to say what if the energy somehow did you know carry over one way or another I just think that's interesting experience no matter what it plays down to Uh, that's why really I can't get enough of these paranormal type uh, experiences because there's so much to it and in the end you can interpret it so many ways you can say well was it just the light playing tricks on me was it my mind uh, kind of running amok so to speak or is there more to this? So much that we really don't know. That it's it's just fascinating. So thank you for sharing your experience. Paranormal experiences, are always are fascinating. And um, if I get another, if I get enough requests for it, I don't want to be too much of a copycat. But if anyone wants me to do a kind of Halloween-themed paranormal type show, I'll do one. It was a lot of fun last year, and there was a lot of interest in it. So we'll see but uh, thank you for sharing your experience. Finally, we've got an email coming in from Garrett in Michigan, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to this more recently, um, but I do appreciate that you kind of sent another email uh, metaphorically bumping this back up because it certainly brought it to my attention, and uh, we're getting to it now, right? Better late than never. You write, Hey, bra, I'm finally submitting this to you, after quite some time procrastinating, no worries, look, I procrastinated on this, so to speak, so <laughs> all is good, uh, I have this idea or theory that I think you'll find at least mildly interesting or entertaining. I want to know your thoughts on such a topic. So it's unanimously agreed upon that chimps are currently in the Stone Age, meaning they use tools to accomplish certain tasks. They're intellectually and technologically evolving right before our very eyes. Now, I'm sure it's reasonable to say that by the time chimpanzees evolve to be as advanced as we humans are right now, the humans will have evolved and advanced enough to have already left Earth and inhabited or colonized another planet. Humans would have been thought as aliens to chimpanzees or whatever they evolve into, despite us being genetically related. My question for you, however, is what do you think about the possibility of an extraterrestrial life form somewhere out there that we humans also share DNA with, much like what I just described between us and chimpanzees? It's one of those weird thoughts that have been consistent with me. I'm excited to hear your feedback on it from Garrett in Michigan. Now, it's interesting, Garrett, that you bring this up because... You know, one—it's actually very, very timely. Uh, I've made it a point whenever I'm up late at night to uh, listen to Coast to Coast AM. And people—they say they what they will about George Norrie as the host. Uh, I think he still does a good enough job. And um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll read what people have to say about the show, and they complain about the callers or, or George Norrie or the topics or whatever. But I, I still find it an enjoyable show. I like it. I might even call in one day or or something. Who knows? But uh, I've been listening to it almost on a nightly basis for the last few weeks. And the other night, I was listening to Coast to Coast AM, and they had this guest on who was talking about Mars, and he was mentioning that he believed that there were pyramid-like structures on Mars, to his observations. And he was trying to draw parallels between those uh, versus the pyramids in ancient egypt and the pyramids in central america and what he was hypothesizing is that long long ago uh, when mars was likely more habitable than it you know currently is uh, that there was an alien civilization that lived on it and due to the changing nature of the planet they had to vacate and at least a number of that life form moved to Earth. And, you know, that's how humanity came about. And, you know, that's, that's what he claimed anyway. Now, obviously, there are some inconsistencies with that, but it was an interesting type of, of discussion either way. And it does, you know, it, it makes you think at least, although all the various what-ifs. You know, the one thing that I'm curious about, of course, with the evolutionary process of chimpanzees, and I am not well-versed enough to say this conclusively one way or another at all. I imagine it would take a, you know, a a well-versed primatologist at least to comment, but what I just wonder from my uninformed point of view, you know, is it possible the way evolution would work? is that not every species, of course, has the capacity to evolve to a certain point. Meaning, what if chimpanzees never evolve to the extent that humans have? You know, look at Neanderthals, for instance, uh, probably some of the closest creatures that ever existed, you know, in comparison to humans, they all died out, and Neanderthals ceased to exist. They just it would have seemed, given the similarities, that maybe they would have been able to one day, you know, kind of smooth out the issues and uh, become a more advanced advanced species, but that never happened. So what if, you know, chimpanzees or primates, etc., all hit that certain wall and just cannot pass it? You know, that, I mean, what if? Right, there are some animals that are alive stole from the dinosaur era. I believe crocodiles are one of those creatures, right? Uh, despite crocodiles far, far outliving us in terms of their existence as a species, you know, yeah, they could tear us to shreds, but they're not flying around in spaceships or anything. Uh, so that's just the one thing that I wonder. But let's, let's say that your, your hypothesis holds water. And let's say that, all right, what if that is the case? Then that is interesting to think about. Although one thing that I would wonder is if we were, uh, let's say, created by a non-divine entity, uh, that being, let's say, aliens, etc., a different species, or at the very least, that we would be related to some sort of—if not created, then we would be related to, uh, let's say, you know, another extraterrestrial civilization then one would wonder, well, would they ever, you know, they would have been aware of us. So if they are that advanced, would they ever come back and visit? Now, maybe they have. (laughs) Who is to say? Maybe that's what some of the UFO sightings would actually be. They're kind of, maybe they don't want to make direct contact, um, but they're kind of scouting us out. That's a possibility, right? Uh, So that is interesting. Or, I mean, maybe they were far more advanced, but something happened and they met their fate and they ceased to exist. One interesting movie that doesn't quite explain, you know, it's not quite your hypothesis, but you probably have seen it is, um, of course, the movie Prometheus, right, from a couple years ago. I remember I actually saw that in the theaters. And you know that has its gross scenes, whatever and they have to throw that crap in all those films. um but the premise was interesting, right, exploring where we came from, you know and it turns out humanity was created by another species, and we go to visit them, and again, not given any much anything away aside from the extremely predictable but when we do that. Uh, Things don't really turn out all too well, but that's just an interesting premise Uh, You know, it's just it's interesting to think about this and well, you know various Origins or all of that stuff. It's just interesting Very interesting food for thought Whether you believe it or not. It's uh, it's just I always like just putting these these different thoughts to the test and just seeing what comes of them It's just a lot of fun. I always like to consider them thought exercises. It's just interesting So thank you, Garrett, for writing in, and uh, with that, that's all that we have for you in today's broadcast. Remember, any feedback is welcome at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, and with that, to everyone out there listening in, until the next show, please be safe out there, be healthy. To all of our listeners on the West Coast, please be safe with those wildfires. They are merciless, and they're incredibly destructive and heed the advice of your local officials. This is your life we're talking about. Take it seriously. Be safe, everyone, and do take care. This is VORW signing off for now.